genre. to Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we have analyzed and celebrated Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy. Oh, one minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli and I'm Zach Luna. Here we are. Here we are at, at the end. At the end of the at the end of all things. Yes. What a bizarre feeling. Mhm. Wow. Slightly bittersweet, slightly exciting. Mhm. Um but yeah, I mean, uh, minutes-wise, we're just on the credits today, so it's sort of a... Uh, it's a catch-all. A catch-all. It's the you know? final final episode of season three of the show, which yeah. is also the final episode of our coverage of the Sam Raimi films. Of the Sam Raimi films. So welcome on your, just say, Friday, mm-hmm. on your Friday commute or whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, we figured, like, as a companion to... Like, a companion piece to our... What have the actors been up to between the films segment that we've been doing the whole season that we could do a what do the actors do after the films right segment because of course there is no spider-man 4 so there's no way we could like do that segment right (laughs) on the next season or something right um more on that later yeah yeah so (laughs) um yes uh yeah spoiler alert this is the end of the sam raimi Mm spider-man storyline uh so this is minute 135 yeah. of the show, but we're going to be we're covering all of the credits sort of in one go. So technically it goes to minute 140, but yeah. we didn't want to do a full week of just credits because I, I don't want to. Plus, plus it'd be weird, like ending, <laughs> ending your week with, OK, we're doing credits today. Have a good weekend and we'll do five more of these on Monday. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It just seems silly. I, I mean, if you if you are really desperate for uh, another week of uh, Spider-Man Minute, then I, I suggest uh, uh, breaking this uh, episode down by segment and uh, just yeah, <laughs> listening just... to it next week, segment <laughs> by segment, <laughs> because that's all we would have done if we had broken it down. Right. So. Exactly. Um I don't know. I mean, if we want to just jump in, I guess I can talk about uh, what what how career paths went for our sure our or at least our core trilogy core core trio of characters. Yeah, yeah, our tripod. I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what what have they been up to since Spider Man Three? Mm-hmm. So uh, to, to kick us off, as he kicked us off in the opening credits of every film, uh, we have Mister uh, Tobias Vincent McGuire, <laughs> starring oh, Toby starring, McGuire, starring Toby McGuire, star making turn Toby McGuire. Um. So basically, right after this, I think of the three main characters, Toby kind of had the least uh, big projects after this, uh, acting wise, mm-hmm. um, which was a little surprising considering he was the, I don't know, the centerpiece of it all or or whatnot. Um, it would seem, yes, yes, yes. Um, but uh, so right after this, uh, in 2008, Tobey Maguire played a version of himself in *Tropic Thunder*. His little cameo, right. um, which he did. Uh, which, that is that is a movie that does not hold up. It's, Man, it is it something is, else. It was so funny at the time. Yeah. Uh, but now we live in a different society we, than when it came out. We sure do. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it it's also bizarre to think like *Iron Man* and *Tropic Thunder* both came out in 2008. Wow. Like Robert Downey Jr. was doing the like 
parody of Robert yeah. Downey Jr., the megastar. That's why it was such a in two thousand eight thing because he wasn't, but he wasn't doing. He well, wasn't, he wasn't doing, doing like yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. was he was doing like the Oscar bait dudes, R- right, right. And yeah. I know like the whole blackface thing was literally the point of it was that he was making fun of blackface, exactly. People yeah, who do yeah. that, yeah. Um, but it's it's still a real hard watch. Today. It's still shocking. Yeah, <laughs> that was what was what we were up to at the time. Yeah, um, yeah. So that was uh, the year after Spider Man Three because mm-hmm. he did that, and then in two thousand nine he did a film called Brothers with. Other would-be Peter Parker, uh, later Quentin Beck, Mr. Jake Gyllenhaal. Mm-hmm. And Padme Amidala herself, That's right? That's right, yeah. I um, haven't gotten around, Natalie Portman, obviously. Yeah. I hadn't gotten around to watching this, I uh, still haven't, uh, but it was a psychological drama slash like romance movie uh, with Natalie Portman and Jake Gyllenhaal, um, and it was uh, David Benioff of da- Game of Thrones uh, fame who... Uh, mm wrote uh, adapted the screenplay didn't write it yeah we had talked about covering that at some point yeah and, on weekend bugle and um it just never it never came to fruition yeah i don't know it's yeah. it's whole thing it was based on like a a danish film of the same name that was directed and written by susan beer beer b-i-e-r yeah um uh basically the premise is that like toby is a u.s marine uh captain who like takes his like screw up brother in like after his screw up brother like gets out of jail uh-huh. into his home and then he gets deployed again so so toby mcguire has to like go off uh back to afghanistan or something while his like newly released from prison like screw up brother uh is now living in his house with his wife and then um his hell uh, toby's helicopter crashes and he's presumed dead and so like people like move on with their lives and then like his brother and his uh you know widow like connect and then all of a sudden out of nowhere he oh it turns out he wasn't dead like he was a prisoner of war for like several years and he comes back and then drama ensues right um i i I hate movies like that sure yeah yeah. i i like why why it feels like it's the drama equivalent of cringe comedy (laughs) kind of yeah do you know what i mean (laughs) where where you're just like like, discomfort is the goal yeah yeah you're just like why are you doing that like there's not there's no good this, this this is just bad like it makes me feel bad it makes me feel Doesn't bad feel that fun she, that, yeah. yeah that he lost his brother and she lost her husband so they connected there's nothing wrong with that except that he wasn't dead yeah. and now he's back because and he's mad about it because he's like <sighs> I you oh you just moved on to my brother because I was dead and it's like well yeah dude but like also like yeah no but I know like it also people. sucks yeah and also dead, this dude. sucks yeah. and also this sucks <laughs> I hate all of this <laughs> Yeah, that's why I never watched that movie. Yeah, it. Uh, I mean, it had mixed reviews at the time. Uh, mm-hmm. it, I think they, those three actors, were willing to do it because it's sort of like a, a powder keg of emotions, an excuse to do a lot of like big acting. Basically. Oh yeah, and I get why an actor would want to do right. Something I don't like know that. why anybody would want to watch. It. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, also not for nothing, but it shouldn't be a movie. It feels like a play. To feels me. like a play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, at any rate, uh, I the reason they signed on, I guess, kind of worked. Like Toby actually got. Uh, quite a bit of uh, acclaim for his performance in it and he was nominated for a Golden Globe for oh. the first time best actor in a motion picture wow. for that he didn't win it but like it was it was a pretty big deal like he had you know he 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 gotten off of his uh big franchise feature and then yeah. he'd done his like weird dramatic thing to show off his like proper acting chops and like okay. got serious awards consideration from it and then he just kind of stopped pumped the brakes it it feels to me like Toby has a 
large and powerful ego. And this is just me extrapolating. We can just spe- yeah, yeah. yeah, speculating, yeah, yeah. whatever. But like, it seems like he has a, a large and powerful uh, 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 ego. Yeah. And when he gave his all to that role, got nominated and won nothing, I think he just sort of was like, well, why am I even bothering? Why you? am I doing this? Why I'm, am I doing this? Like, I'm, I'm, no I'm, one I'm even rich. Cares. I like, I can work as hard as I want and really go for it. And like, I don't get, I get nothing. What I want out of this. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it does, it really does feel like he's only in Great Gatsby because he wanted to work with his buddy. Yeah. With Leo. With yeah. Leo. And yeah. then that's it. He's done. Kind I mean, of, he yeah. did like the Bobby Fisher movie. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, um, I'm sure you're going to talk all these in one. detail yeah, in a yeah, second. Yeah, go but, for it. Go for it. But, yeah. uh, and then he. He did like a like a comedy thing. I remember for IFC on TV. Yeah, right. Yeah, and then that's it. Like that's that's it. Basically, <laughs> yeah. So it's it's like he and he just became a producer since then. Um, and I I it, it seemed like if this was really what he wanted to be doing, he'd be doing more of it. Right. Yeah. And he's just not. Yeah. Um. And I and I don't know if that's his if that's his pride and his ego feels a little bruised, like the back to back of Spider Man three and then Brothers. Or or if it's or if it's more than that, and it's more about like people not really wanting, wanting to work, to work with, them. with them. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. Because when did Molly's Game the book get released? I like and look it up as we're discussing. Yeah, uh, Molly's Game. That might that might that might put a timestamp on what the situation was. Yeah, let's see. So the book uh, came out. Oh God, this, everything keeps popping up with the movie first. Um, yeah. Here I'll just click on this and go th- go through it. Uh, 2014 memoir, uh, Molly's Game. So 2014 is when that was released. So okay. even that doesn't quite make sense because he kind of like after uh, he did because for did. those who don't, I mean we've mentioned it in the podcast before, but like Molly's Game like really show that he was a pretty big asshole to people in the those poker games right just in life in general right um but there was i forget what exactly the thing that um his character did that was like oh something like where he just like ruined someone's life for fun yeah like isn't that funny that i can do that yeah something like that yeah um oh it was uh it was uh people with a gambling addiction right wasn't it yeah he like he like brought them back into it and had had them lose all their money and then just like left them on the street basically yeah yeah Yeah, it was something like that where he's like ah hilarious i made you gamble all your life savings away again and now you're a loser Yeah. yeah um it was uh, so it's real bad. So but maybe he just had a career for twenty fourteen. But that's yeah. that's when did Brothers come out? Brothers so Brothers was two thousand nine. Okay, yeah. when was Great Gatsby? Two thousand thirteen. Two thousand thirteen. Yeah, and then that was it, right? Yeah, Pond I mean, Sacrifice Pond came Sacrifice out. Sacrifice is two thousand fourteen. Yeah, boom. So yeah, that's, maybe that, that that might be what it is. Uh, at least it's, at the tail end of it. I just don't know why. Like he just kind of doesn't do anything till two thousand eleven, acting wise at all. Didn't he have kids? Maybe, maybe that's it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think mean, he probably had kids, and then after that memoir came out, it was like nobody wanted to cast him in anything. <laughs> like, don't want to deal with but, this guy. But but then it's also like it's it's you know you become a producer, and it's just like well, that's most people don't even notice your name in the credits. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not really gonna bring bad PR to anything, right? Yeah, I don't know. Like I had an opportunity to see him. Oh, like in person? Yeah. Oh, because he was at a he did a Q and A because he he did um he produced 
Oh, what's your face running? What's it called? Yeah, Brittany. Um, Brittany runs a marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, <clears throat> produced that. His honestly, his producer credits are not great. Um, his I mean, movies, they're there. Like, yeah, I know, but but they're all like there's there's like a handful that are like super problematic movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, especially upcoming because I think he he is producer on that um, Scarlett Johansson transgender man movie. Oh, is that? Oh, yes. yeah, yeah. I got. Well, I mean, he's also producing Damien Chazelle's next movie, Babylon. Oh, okay. With Emma Stone. Okay. So that's funny. Isn't the isn't the IFC thing he did called Babylon something? It was. Uh, oh. sp- <laughs> what's the name of it? The Spoils of Babylon. Spoils yeah. of Babylon. Spoils yeah, of Babylon. that's funny. Um, uh, anyway, so okay, so continue. So, okay. so he did. He did the brothers. Thing, so he did the brothers thing in two thousand nine. Didn't really go anywhere. Didn't really go anywhere. Then kind of pumped the brakes. Didn't do like a project at all to two thousand eleven. And did a little indie comedy with uh, Banksy. Like oh right 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 yeah. It was called The Details, and it was like someone directed that. That um, was uh, Jacob Aaron Estes. Or Estes directed it. Yeah, uh, I don't really know. It, it was a whole thing where Toby wasn't even originally going to do it. James McAvoy was, and oh. uh, then there was like some scheduling conflicts that McAvoy had, and he had to back out at the last minute. So Toby McGuire stepped in to do it, and it's like this, okay. this like weird like indie comedy about like this guy's life just spirals out of control basically, where he's like mm-hmm. he's married to his wife Elizabeth Banks, uh, but then he cheats on her with Laura Linney and Kerry Washington. Uh, I don't know. I uh, think there's raccoons and people losing kidneys and people getting poisoned. I, I don't oh, know. Oh, it's one of those movies. Yeah, it's okay. one of those movies. Pretty much <laughs> no one saw it. It grossed like $60,000 worldwide. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, here's the thing. Um, there's at least one of those made every year. That right. exact movie. Yes. Which sounds insane because it's all like really random stuff. But like, like li- literally stuff happened. Literally. There's a movie. I call it I call it a dartboard movie. <laughs> there's a dartboard movie that gets released at least <laughs> once a year. Yeah. And it's a it's a comedy drama kind of thing. Mm hmm. And it's literally just like what happens next, and they throw a dart at a dartboard, and it's like some, raccoons. Some no more nonsense, and yeah. that spirals into this, and then that spirals into something else crazy. Yeah, and you're we just, are the Millers, and you're just like, what is this movie? Yeah. I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, bizarre. One of those indie comedies, like the Nines. Yeah, that was one. Yeah. Um, what was the what was the one with um Ryan Reynolds where uh where he could talk to do- talk to animals? Oh my god. Or, or uh, talk to a dog, maybe. Talking, that was something I don't know. But that sounds about right. That yeah. sounds like the thing Reynolds was doing prior to Deadpool. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, anyway, yeah. It's one of those movies. It's just one of those. Um, it's and, a dartboard movie. A dartboard movie, exactly. And then his last big role, kind of like ever. Period. Pond sacrifice. Uh, well, I guess it counts, Bobby. Oh, Fender. but I meant like oh, in, great a, in a big yeah. project. Is I forgot we hadn't already talked. Yeah, about that. yeah. So yeah, and, but and, that's literally just. Like Leonardo DiCaprio, my my guess is mm-hmm. that they Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, they met with Leonardo DiCaprio to play the Toby Jay Gatsby. Mc- yeah, Jay, no, 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 to play the Toby oh, McGuire oh, role. Oh, Nick Carraway. And okay. I, yeah. because it's the main character. Yeah, and I think he said, "No, I want to play Gatsby. We'll hire my buddy Toby to play that." That's part of it. I, yeah. I, I think that that's what it was because I think the idea of putting Leonardo DiCaprio in that movie. I think from a studio standpoint, you want him on screen as much as possible. Yeah. So you'd want him to play Nick. Yeah. 
But also, Nick's not the like interesting character. Right. So. He's not the character that, that he would want to play. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. I think that that's probably what happened. Yeah. That was the one that uh, Baz Luhrmann directed it. Uh, yeah. DiCaprio, I think, co-produced it. It was right. DiCaprioing it all it's, up in it. It's got a lot of jazzy hip hop in it. Yeah. It was <laughs> Carrie Mulligan. Yeah. Was I mean, it made like three hundred million dollars. It's a cool movie. Like I, I, it's it's my favorite of his movies, the Baz Luhrmann. Movies. Really? Yeah. All right, maybe I'll watch it. I don't know. Have you not seen it? No. I was. I used to be. I used to really like that book back in the day, uh-huh. and so the idea of like doing a like jazzed up, not jazz because obviously jazz, but like mo- modern music in it, yeah, CGI stuff. I was just like, I don't think I need to see that. I, it, yeah, it's fine, but um, it's it's actually really it's fun. I'll check it. It's out. It's really I'll fun. Check it out. Um, um, I mean, it's not the thing that I like about it is like his directorial style Baz Luhrmann's yeah. directorial style really works in it because like it's a movie about excess like that's like the right, theme of right, it right right is like all these rich people doing like rich people going things crazy yeah. yeah and so like his he, he goes nuts in all the scenes with the rich people and okay. it's like it really works for me I think it has a um this is a weird this is weird but it has a speed racer quality to it okay okay yeah all right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i mean i love speed racer so yeah. i'm for it um that was that's, uh that's i wish toby mcguire had played speed racer oh god he would have been great for that yeah and then we wouldn't have to deal with emil hirsch being in it <laughs> isn't that it's like we're stacking the awkwardness of like people's terrible behavior. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. can we swap it out to just like the guy that people don't like because he's a jerk in his poker games? <laughs> right. Can we have that instead of the guy who like choked out an executive? That'd be great. Yeah. Um, female executive. Female executive. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. Uh, but yeah. And then uh, people the, are bad. People, <laughs> people are bad. People are bad. In 2014, he did the Pawn Sacrifice, the Bobby Fischer uh, movie. Like nobody saw that either. No. Made like $2 million. Uh, and he narrated The Boss Baby in 2000. I think that was I think Pond Sacrifice was probably his like last ditch effort thing for like a prestige role type he's like all right I'm gonna give it one more shot and he's like no okay all right boss baby I'm I'm in yeah tell him I'm in (laughs) whatever (laughs) who cares let's just write some checks yeah Yeah, nothing matters because like you've said on the producer side that seems much more what he's like into because he did he produced Spike Lee's 25th hour with Mm -hmm. Ed Norton and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman he produced Seabiscuit um, he produced Country Strong, uh, Rock oh of Ages, and Z for Zachariah, which is a movie I like quite a bit. Actually. I've never heard of that. So Z for Zachariah was a 2015 like post-apocalyptic movie uh-huh. with uh, Chris Pine and Margot Robbie and Chiwetel Ejiofor. What? And they're the only actors in it, and it's just like this like uh, pressure cooker situation about these three people, uh, like. And in the end of the world where most people have died out. I don't know. It's just oh, like I've never heard of this movie. Oh, it's cool. I think it's really cool. That's um, crazy. And uh he produced the fifth wave that like uh oh, yeah. YA adaptation about oh, Alien Emil, attacks. Emil Hirsch, right? Emil Hirsch, yeah. 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 Uh, Great. And, um, and then this year he produced Britney Runs a Marathon, which we were just talking about with Jillian Bell. Which I've heard is very, very good and I'm very excited to see. Yeah. Um and uh he's currently working on uh, the Best of Enemies, 1970s civil rights activist movie with... No, that was already... Oh, that already came that out? That already came out. Oh, it was gone. With Taraji B. Henson. Yeah, it was real bad. Oh, okay, never mind that. <laughs> uh, it was it was the... Uh, it was uh, Sam Rockwell's typecast as a racist Oh, right. ...movie. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, back to back to back, he played a racist cop, mm-hmm. a racist dude, and a Nazi. Oh, my God. Yeah, he yeah. did. Back yeah. to back to back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Jojo Rabbit's good. Um, Jojo Rabbit's great. Jojo Rabbit, but he is does amazing. play a but he, he does, does play just a Nazi. Straight up play a Nazi. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and and then like I said earlier, he's uh, producing Damien Chazelle's next movie, Babylon, which nobody really knows much about at all. Right. Just that Emma Stone's in it, and it's like early Hollywood. Something? Yeah. No, yeah. I'm I'm pumped about. I love early Hollywood. Yeah. Come on, I mean, it's cool. Bring and I it. and I think uh, Chazelle is a very good director, even yeah. if he's really into white people playing and liking jazz sure yeah um <laughs> or just you know like white people dedicated to something so much that it like destroys their relationships like i mean i mean nolan's also into that right it's so. a valid vein to tap if it's yeah. just like you know, an interesting note yeah i mean he is a, i think he's a great director he is a great I'm director. happy to see whatever his next thing is uh-huh 100 percent um 100 percent yeah that's toby it's like kind of kind of mystifying kind of strange mm-hmm. uh career path i don't know um but speaking of strange James Franco oh god has had <laughs> saving the nor- the most normal career for last well, I figured I'd want to go on like high notes <laughs> yeah, sure <laughs> sure we had some bizarre stuff okay so like James Franco did so very much too much to list uh, but the the Cliff Notes version is that definitely the most prolific career of the three I would say so yeah, yeah. so soon after uh, Spider-Man 3 uh, which came out in 2007. Uh, 2008, he did Pineapple Express, which sort of like changed the like tenor of his career from then on out. Right. That was his like him and his old buddy Seth Rogen from Freaks and Geeks. It was directed by David Gordon Green of Halloween fame these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just you know stoner comedy, weird, uh, slight action take on it. I don't know. It was just it would it did pretty well for its budget, and then like launched him off in this other direction. Right. That same year, he also did. Um, Gus Van Sant's Harvey Milk movie. He had a small role in that with Sean mm-hmm. Penn. I remember that. And uh, any bad pla- movie, bad movie, not not great. <laughs> I, get, I get it's one of those where it's like, oh, I get why the actor signed on, right, to win some awards. Yeah, but uh, it's not, not the best. Bad, bad movie. <laughs> and uh, then in uh, 2010, he played uh, Allen Ginsberg in Howl. Which oh yeah, there was some buzz about that. That project. was like the back to back Ginsberg movies. Ones, right? Yeah, it was him D- and uh, Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe did yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And uh, he was on 30 Rock as himself. He was in Eat, Pray, Love briefly. He did some weird short films and web series. A career highlight at this point was 127 Hours in 2010 is when that came out. So like three years after Spider-Man 3, he does 127 Hours. Directed right. by Danny Boyle. That yeah. was the, based on a true story survival drama about when that guy, Aaron Ralston, got his arm trapped by a boulder in Utah and like was stuck there for days on end and had had to cut his own arm off um but he did like video diaries the whole time so it was an interesting like way to you could structure an interesting movie out of that i mean that one uh that one kind of like blew up like uh yeah franco was nominated for a bafta golden globe uh, academy award for best actor like mm-hmm. straight up and he did win a new york film critics association award for that it's the same year that he disastrously co-hosted the oscars with anne hathaway right uh, the whole vibe there that was a nightmare big nightmare um so those are like some film projects that are happening mm-hmm. and around that same time did you it, see 127 hours i did i did yeah it's, it's pretty good it's i i think it's really good yeah. i will never ever in my life watch it again oh my god the amputation scene is yeah. harrowing yeah uh, when he when he hits the nerve oh, yeah god. yep mm-hmm. mm. that that like that like that like violin screech noise god. that they do it's, oh man yeah and, like i don't know how they recreated exactly how that feels without making you feel anything it's incredibly well Made yeah, and and uh, uh, traumatizing. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, it's it's a pretty good movie. Yeah. Um, um, so anyway. during, I mean, in the midst of that, uh-huh. is for this like three year period, he was doing an experiment where 
he wanted to be on a soap opera so he just like called various soap operas and asked if they could write him into them and so he had a uh why did he want to be on a soap opera he had a friend of his that was a um experimental filmmaker and they wanted to at some point do like a weird quasi documentary about the making of a soap opera um which i guess necessitated that james franco do a multi-year stint on general hospital uh from 2009 to 2012 so wait how many episodes i mean not i mean he, he only a couple each season so it wasn't oh. like he was on it continually but oh, he was okay. a recurring character on the show oh okay um yeah so he played like a It'd be um, amazing if he just shut his career down for a year and did a <laughs> did general hospital that's all he did like at all that would be amazing <laughs> yeah he played a he played a multimedia artist who was also a serial killer that would have been uh, that would have been like uh like the good version of the um the uh, I'm quitting acting to become a rapper thing that oh, Walking Phoenix walking, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this, I'm I'm, qu- <laughs> I'm quitting acting to become a daytime daytime TV, TV star. star? Yeah. I I we're, yeah. I, I just, just I just oh. think the hours are better for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, at one point they like they turned a scene where they were filming at Mocha into like a live performance art piece as well in the midst of the actual production making the TV show. Okay. A, a lot of these things like half make sense basically. Right, right. Um so during all this he also continued to do short films and small self-produced projects in between the larger stuff. Right. Um his next like big project was Rise of the Planet of the Apes in 2011. Yeah. Which rules. Um, yeah, it does. He, he played Caesar's like adoptive parent. I, I think sneakily that is one of the most like rock solid genre franchises of like yes. the last few decades. 100%. Uh, those three movies are, they're so good. Um, 100%. And he's just there at the beginning, just helping Andy Serkis go from being a, you know, child chimpanzee to an adult chimpanzee but oh man man those movies if you if you haven't watched them just like set aside a weekend and just like go watch all go all ape yeah because it is they are they are so good so so good um in (laughs) in 2012 he was in harmony corian's uh infamous spring breakers uh in full-on weirdo mode i've never seen that he's a rapper drug and arms dealer called alien everything about um the harmony corin and David Ayer and mm-hmm. there's like a few other filmmakers that just they 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 enjoy an aesthetic that is diametrically opposed to everything that I enjoy. Fair. Yeah. And and I just I don't I don't I have no interest in watching their movies. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's, there's bikinis and crime and armed robberies. I don't like it. Like the Beach Bum came out this year, which yeah. was a Harmony Corinne movie, and I just like it Harmony Corinne's movies look like they smell. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make any sense? <laughs> like, like if Harmony Corinne movies were a person, I'd be like, oh, they probably smell. Like you don't want to shake hands with a Harmony Corinne movie. No, you know? no. Because there's going to be like a, a film that comes yeah. out. Yeah. Like no, a, like a, they just, they, it's like gutter. Wipe your hand. It's yeah. like gutter trash. Just <laughs> bad. I don't. <laughs> I don't I don't like it. I don't know. No I, thanks. I think I, I have to like have a friend that's like really into it to like help help get me on board or something. But uh-huh. I'm probably not going to seek that out on my own no. these days um in 2013 he reunited with sam raimi for oz the great and powerful yes which is which we covered in detail on the weekend bugle if you want to like hear us talk all oz all the time uh-huh. on that one that was uh that was a fun episode because it was a movie that i quite enjoy yes and you do not right um but i think i i made you at least moderate by the yeah, end of yeah, it yeah like like we got to understand each other's perspectives on it and it's not it's like a different 
for the most part on the show, we have pretty similar opinions about things. So it was yeah. nice to have one where we had like a, a totally different approach to the same material. Yeah. So, yeah. Check out that one out if you want. That's one of our better ones. I think, I think so. From yeah. the, the movie talk ones anyway. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so the 2013 section is just kind of bonkers. So that's when Oz the Great and Powerful came out. The same year, he directed and starred in a film adaptation of As I Lay Dying with Tim Blake Nelson. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, Oh, my God. Uh, I mean, because since his Weird Ape movie days, he had directed eight short films, four documentaries, and an experimental film that started by recreating slash reimagining the last 40 minutes of gay S&M footage that was cut from Cruisin' in 1980. Uh, <laughs> what? Which premiered at the Sundance Film Festival. <laughs> um, so I suppose at that point he felt qualified to take a swing at adapting William Faulkner. And wow. As I Lay Dying kind of famously was a text that has been described as impossible to film uh-huh. because of its narrative structure. Uh, r- r- reviews were mixed. He he tried. You don't uh, say. Yeah. Um, in, in, we're still in 2013. In 2013, he also directed a feature film about Charles Bukowski's early life uh-huh. called Bukowski. Oh. That has never been released because of a legal dispute with Charles Bukowski's estate. Because <laughs> That's uh, the second film that he's directed that has had some trouble. Uh, yeah. Actually, third. What was the other one? Uh, uh, Disaster Artist. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that's, wow, that's. Makes you wonder if he just doesn't uh, doesn't doesn't think through these fil- like as a yeah. director he doesn't think through think through some details because it. it seems like t- since 2011 ish he's roughly directed and written one film a year, uh, but they don't get released. They don't. Some of them don't get released. Some of them get like small little releases. Or I think he just wants to like I have to keep making. Yeah. Um, and he might skip some steps along the way because basically, um. They, they wanted to make this film about Charles Bukowski's early life. Bukowski did write a semi-autobiographical book about that time period, uh-huh. but they didn't get the rights to it. And Franco's argument was, we're not adapting the book, we're adapting his actual life, which we have reason to, but I uh, got into a legal dispute and didn't, didn't pan out. I mean, like, Josh Peck from Drake and Josh played Charles Bukowski? Uh, I don't what? Need, I don't even know. I don't even know. Uh <laughs> So that movie didn't come out. However, he did release a film he directed based on Corm- a Cormac McCarthy novel, Child of God, which once again came out in 2013. So that's now like four films deep we are. Good Lord. Uh, oh, wait, 2013? That's the year when This is the End was released. Oh, my God. His follow-up Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg movie uh, with a, about a group of celebrities hiding out at James Franco's house during the apocalypse. Right. I think it's very funny. It is very funny. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a trip. Oh, wait, 2013? That's also when Palo Alto was released, <laughs> oh, which is a movie no. based on James Franco's book palo alto yeah. uh with emma roberts in it james franco also acts in that movie gia coppola directed i i i, I <laughs> he also did an interlocking love story movie with mila kunis in 2013 a lot of stuff came out in 2013 is what i'm saying um i've read some of palo alto it's not great yeah. uh, i don't know what a movie based on that book would look like um it's not good i've seen it oh okay yeah yeah it's it's uh it's it's like a parody of first time director movie. Oh no. Okay. You know, yeah. cuz it's it's yeah. literally one of those movies where it's like oh, the come back home movie. Oh. Oh. And, 
it's, <laughs> yeah, it's okay. like it's like a parody of a comeback home because that's where he grew up, right? Palo yeah. Alto. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, somewhere in there, I'm shocked that he didn't direct that himself, though. Right. Yeah. yeah. And J- Coppola, J. Coppola. Directed. Also shocked that a woman directed it, <laughs> having seen it. <laughs> shocked. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, somewhere in there, circa the general hospital years, 2009 to 12-ish, he had earned a master's degree in filmmaking from NYU. And by- <laughs> Finally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and by 2011, he was teaching film- how many, wait, how many films has he directed at this point before getting his master's degree? I think he had just- <laughs> I, that, is, that is absurd. Like, that is absurd. It's ridiculous. <laughs> by, by 2011, he was teaching film classes uh to students at uh, nyu tisch and usc as well as ucla and in 2014 if you wanted for 25 dollars, you could take his screenwriting course on skillshare uh which is now no longer offered because he uh does not have the time to individually look at people's projects on the more um but also around then he launched so in 2014, he launched a film school called studio four in la and new york for aspiring actors and filmmakers that was 2013 all that. In 2014, he, he starred in a Broadway production of, of Mice and Men with Chris O'Dodd, uh, which is a- Oh, a, I remember that. Yeah, revival of uh, uh, John Steinbeck play. Yeah, it was one of those things where they did like a- uh, Who played- um A film version. Who played- uh The, the, the big guy. The Chris big O'Dodd. The, uh, he the played the Irish big guy? guy? I think so. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Um, okay. Maybe I have it backwards, uh, but he. Uh, well, I'm just I'm surprised that either one of them played the big guy. That's why I was asking. Oh, oh right. Yeah, 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 I was I was asking because I assume some third person played the big guy, I could, but anyway. I can look it up. Um, no, that's okay. We'll come back to it. <laughs> we won't. <laughs> it's fine. You guys can look it up yourselves. He also, <laughs> that same year that he was doing a play on Broadway, he uh, took a swing at adapting another William Faulkner novel. Uh, famous for being impossible to adapt to film. Uh, again with Tim Blake Nelson, who I guess he just became good pals with okay. uh, from Oh Brother Where Art Thou and everything else. All right. Um, this time it was The Sound and the Fury, which he directed and starred in. Mm-hmm. Um, and in 2014, again, he and Seth Rogen reunited to make the the interview, the movie about the uh, right. c- wow, celebrity. Wow, that was all the way back then? Yeah, isn't that weird? Wow, that is weird. Um, Another movie with a troubled release, right? Yes, that's the fourth one. Yeah, that's the one where like there's uh, Franco plays like a tabloid celebrity talk show right. host who's like recruited by the some, CIA. It's some, it's some, it's, um, it's the Do other movie assassinate with Kim Jong Un. It's the other movie with A grade, uh, A grade uh, uh, Franco gifts. Yes, yeah, yeah, where he yeah. does the. Uh, the what reaction? Yeah, the what the stand up what <laughs> reaction, and uh, and the uh, hate us because uh, they ain't us. Yeah, the hate us because yeah. they ain't us. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, they hate us because they, they ain't us. us. I, I literally cannot continue in this manner for 2015 and onward, but he did <laughs> a bunch of indies. Robert Duvall directed one. Jonah Hill's in another one. Whatever. He was the voice of a fox in an animated version of The Little Prince. Neat. Somehow, he, uh, yeah, so he directs at least one film a year. None of them are as high profile as the, uh, the elephant in the room. That's on its way. Uh-huh. Uh, so, into- <laughs> <laughs> ah, the elephant in the, in the room. room. <laughs> in, t- <laughs> in 2016, he had a recurring role on Angie Tribeca uh, uh-huh. the, as a Sergeant Eddie 
Pepper. He directed a TV movie called Mother May I Sleep with Danger. And he appeared in the studio comedy Why Him with Brian Cranston and Zoe Dutch. Oh, right. Yeah. Is it poster? If you can imagine in your mind a poster where oh, there's man. Brian Cranston and his like daughter, and then James Franco with a bunch of tattoos is like leering at him, right? Because the idea of it, if I'm not mistaken, was to it was it was a it was a low key remake of um the uh, the dinner movie the the look who's coming to look dinner. who's coming to dinner yeah right yeah. but they were like let's take race out of it and just have him be like a like a sleazy like a sleazy. I don't know. Yeah, like a sleazy hipster guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's fine. Why it's, can't we just let our daughters like sleazy hipster like guys? Sleazy hipster guys. It's great. That, it's that fine, was, right? Let's was, all get along. That was the moral of that movie. Just like the existence of that movie just kind of feels like a, a symbol for the cultural saturation of James Franco yeah. at that point. Uh-huh. Where it's just like, here's Brian Cranston over here. Just let your daughters date just, James Franco. <laughs> That was the moral of that movie. Oh boy! <laughs> uh, his can we talk about yeah. um, a movie that you probably didn't talk about because it hasn't been released yet? Okay, but the movie with um, the movie where he the, that he directed before right before the Disaster Artist Zeroville is that what it was called? Oh 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 oh! It's Seth Rogen's in yes, it. Yes 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 Zeroville because that movie was made before he wrote, directed, and stars in it just like. The the disaster artist. Yes. Yeah. And he's playing a a very like weird character, Hollywood yeah. character, the shaved head and a big mustache. Yeah. And all that shenanigans. And and uh, that was another movie that had a a trouble problem. That was not anything on his end though. That was like the studio that made it went bankrupt before it could release it. Yeah. And he basically had to wait around for somebody else to buy it, and nobody wanted it because it's apparently not very good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe by the time this episode comes out, they will have like fixed all that like it is it is coming out now yeah it says yeah. it's tentatively scheduled to come out in like september or yeah. october 2019 yeah yeah i've seen posters for okay. it so it's like so. it legitimately has a distribution plan now hmm. but yeah that was another one where it was just like what what's what is this movie coming out? oh my god i just like glanced at the cast list here yeah for Take, zeroville yeah for zeroville yeah. takes place in 1969 uh-huh charles manson's in it uh-huh uh, um, that's why it's getting released finally. Okay. All yeah, right. I mean, you know that that's what it is, yeah, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. I guarantee you when a trailer for it finally comes out, it's going to be like it's it's like like oh, it's Once Upon a Time Once in Hollywood, Hollywood 2 with James Franco. <laughs> yeah. Come aboard, folks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's totally what they're going to market it as because it'll work. Yeah. Yeah, it'll work. Um yeah, it was cuz he did that in um late 2014. Basically, yeah. So a couple years before the disaster artist, yeah, which is the, of course, the big bullet point at the end of this whole uh, right. Franco uh, spree is the disaster artist. Um, the story of how Tommy Wiseau created and starred in the room, the cult classic, best worst movie ever made, directed by starring James Franco as Tommy Wiseau with his brothers Dave Franco's in it, Seth Rogen, Ari Granor, Allison Brie. I mean, it was it was a big deal it was a big uh, it deal it was a big deal i mean it was distributed by a24 it got a standing ovation at south by southwest when it premiered the critical response was really strong uh but especially for franco's performance right because it is it's like the apotheosis of weird franco basically yeah. it's like yeah. him coming back to his roots of right. what inspired him to you know do weird stuff in the right. first place right and it's and it's, it's pretty heartfelt and whatnot 
And it was kind of marching along towards um, big award consideration there for a while, mm-hmm. the run-up there. Um, he's uh, won a Gotham Award, Critics' Choice Movie Award, and uh, straight up won the Golden Globe for Best Actor yep. for it. And then... The timing of some... Uh, two, two things happened. Okay, yeah. Yeah, two things happened. One, uh, someone came out and said that they wrote the movie and did not receive credit because mm-hmm. Franco took all of the credit, um, despite yeah. the fact that he is actually the one who wrote the movie, and he had proof of this. Yes, yes. Like, definitive proof of this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, and basically was like, yeah, I was hired to write this, but then once it was finished, Franco basically said, I won't be able to get this movie made unless I'm the one who wrote it. So you're going to be a ghostwriter and then took all the credit and got the movie made and then never paid the guy. So fun. Yep. So fun. Yep. Uh, so that happened. That was bullet point number one. Number two. Was um, what's what's the like nice phrase they use these days? Sexual misconduct allegations. Yes, I think right towards uh, towards James Franco students at NYU. Uh, right, NYU and his uh, uh his personal uh, one that uh, um his film school that he set up in LA and New York Studio oh, Four. Right, yeah. right, right. So right, there right. are at least five different uh students and or mentees of James Franco that. Uh, said he pressured them into weird and gross situations. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just like, and so when those those came up, I mean, pretty much everybody thought that the Academy Awards were like the next step for that movie, and then mm-hmm. nope, nothing, nothing. Received zero nominations. Yep. Yeah. Um, and yeah. since then, it's been crickets. Yeah, I mean, uh, pretty much. Yeah, he did. Uh, he has been working on this HBO show, The Deuce. Right, but it's um, like, it's sort of a, um, he is not the person that they advertise. Right, right. They advertise Maggie Gyllenhaal, mm-hmm. and he is on it, and he plays twins, but it's not a show that gets a lot of acclaim nope. or a lot of attention, and he's just been sort of hiding out, playing that role on that HBO show and doing basically nothing else. And this is the last season, 2019, so... He's done with it now. Yeah. So what happens next? Is anybody's guess? Yeah, I don't know. There's like... IMDb says upcoming projects are uh, some adaptations of novels that he wants to direct, Mm -hmm. Uh, but nothing's like really set in stone and who knows. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, Franco. And also those upcoming projects could be from a long time ago. Right, yeah. Because we're just... The, that, that sort of thing never gets updated on IMDb. So... Oh, boy. What a what a, what an adventurous uh, journey he went on. Um, yeah, he really crashed that plane hard. <laughs> <laughs> just took it all the way up and then nosedived all the way down. Uh, and that's its own Hollywood story, I sure suppose. Sure is. Um, uh, I, I guess that brings us to... Uh, to the third leg of our yeah, tripod, I guess. The, the the Lady Kirsten Dunst. The Lady Kirsten Dunst. Uh, Kirsten... Oh, I didn't do my, my uh, name joke with James Edward Franco. Um, oh. Uh, Kirsten Caroline Dunst. Uh, Caroline? Yeah, isn't that fun? Oh, that's such a charming yeah. little name. Oh, come okay. on. Get out of here. From Point Pleasant, New Jersey. Um, so uh, after Spider-Man 3 in 2007, in 2008, she did How to Lose Friends and Alienate People with Simon Pegg. It was like a- uh, Right. 
a British writer moves to New York to work at a magic magazine. Hijinks and Sue. Uh, it's of it's one there. of those movies, and and um, you know, I I do consider myself a Simon Pegg aficionado. I think that's a fair. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've I've seen every movie that he's ever starred in. Yeah. Um, and uh, there are a series of films that Simon Pegg has done, mm. which are uh, uh very poorly reviewed, despite the fact that. There's nothing wrong with the movie itself. Oh, okay. They're just poorly reviewed because they're very much like right down the middle. Just like four quadrant, like tropey, just like just just straight on like you've seen this movie before. But this is a very well done version of the movie that you've seen before. Right. But people aren't clamoring to see it. But because it doesn't reinvent the wheel, it's a bad movie. Okay. It's one of those. Okay. So like that and like Run Fat Boy Run. Run Fat Boy Run was one. Um 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 what else? There's there's a bunch of those that he's done uh, that are like that. The only one that stands out as far as um one that is like that but did get well reviewed, and I think it was because people were hungry for rom coms, was the one that he did with um uh, what was that movie called? It was the one with uh, Lake Bell. It was uh, it's Man Up. Oh, movie. Man Up. Yeah. That's the one. I love that movie. It's a great movie. I haven't seen it, but I'll, I'll look it up. But yeah, so she, really good. she did a, you know, rom, rom comedy, you know, movie with Simon Pegg 2008. Uh-huh. And then she took a little bit of a break, did the fair few like short films and music videos. Mm-hmm. Like two of those were for the Beastie Boys. One was for R.E.M. I don't know. And then in 2010, she did a movie called All Good Things with Ryan Gosling. It was like a 1980s murder mystery film. Nope. No I idea. never heard of it. No idea. Um, we finally like- Oh, oh, oh not oh. Uh, Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Yeah. I remember this. This is the movie that's based on um, the Jinx guy. The HBO. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. Yes. Oh. Only it's like a, it's like a sexy version of it. <laughs> like it's because they couldn't get the rights to, uh, oh, to Robert Jinxie. Durst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To Robert Durst, and so they basically made a Robert Durst movie without making reference Just to the fact different. that he's Robert Durst. Oh. But yeah, okay. she plays one of the wives that he murdered. Gotcha. Uh, and but in this, it's like, is he innocent? No question mark. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, so those are small things. And then right. her next like big thing was 2011 where she did Melancholia. So that was like, mm-hmm. she garnered some like pretty serious critical acclaim from that. Uh, critical acclaim from that. That was the. Really? I mean, it's Lars von Trier. I mean, she got, uh, she got nominated for some stuff. Remember when um, I was talking about those directors who are diametrically opposed? Oh, to Lars everything? von Trier. Yeah. yeah. Fair. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Most hundred percent. I honestly, I, I mean, I, I, I thought it's terrible. This, <laughs> I set up this movie specifically because of uh, Kirsten, and I still have not seen the whole thing because uh, my com- my computer at the time died completely while the DVD of Melancholia was in it. it while I was sitting in an airport, mm-hmm. and it, it locked the DVD away in there forever, and I felt like I didn't want to buy the movie again. Yeah. Because uh, you own it, it's side just on inside scene. the computer. I own it. it was just inside the computer. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I, my, my issue. The reason I've never watched this movie, and this is like, <laughs> this is like a weird psychological thing that I have. Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, when there's an actress that I really like a lot, and I've liked a lot for a long time. Yeah. 
and then she's nude in a movie. Oh, I and they like advertise that. They're I don't like, like come watch, check it out. Yeah, I don't. I don't watch it because it makes me feel skeezy. It makes me feel gross. That's so, fair. Yeah. So like, I haven't watched it because I know she has a nude scene in it, and I don't. Yeah. I just don't. You just don't want. I don't want that. I mean, it that's feels, fair. It yeah. feels like it feels like I'm like, oh, finally. <laughs> like it just it just makes me feel gross. So like, I just I don't I don't seek those movies out. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I get surprised, and that makes me super uncomfortable. And then you're like, too. oh no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well not I, like not like that. <laughs> not like fake. Oh no. Not no. Like literally. Like no, I'm like mean, oh nope. I don't like that. There is an aspect to like I was reading something the other day about that. Like uh, if you've been watching a TV show for a while, yeah. your brain thinks of those people as your friends. Right. You're like personal friends. Right. So if you were to like suddenly like see one of your friends naked, that yeah. Like, yeah. Like, that's what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's hundred percent. Um. Except I don't like actually think that they're my friends, <laughs> but I do connect with them on an emotional level that I, I makes me uncomfortable. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, I mean, melancholy is a movie about like, uh, this family whose personal, uh, relationships get really strained as a, a another planet comes to collide with earth and it's going to kill everybody. Ooh. And so it's like, um, how do people react in an apocalyptic scenario? Cool. Um, and it's cool. about like depression and stuff. I don't know. Kiefer Sutherland's in it. The the beginning of the movie I saw, was, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I really hate Kiefer Sutherland, control. Andrew Skarsgård, Charlie Gainsborough. I don't know. Um, she, uh, he, he did that movie with, um, with Shia LaBeouf where it was like. Oh, where he's playing his. Oh, is that the, was he in the Nymphomaniac movie? Yes, yeah. the Nymphomaniac movie. I don't want to watch any of those. No, see, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's why I don't watch his movies. No, thank you. That's gross. I don't want that. <laughs> like, why? One, and one movie wasn't enough. He had to make two of them. Yeah, it's yep. like six hours of it or something. It's six hours of it, Ugh. and it's like Shia LaBeouf, like full, full, full. Uh, full everything. Yep. Still a whole lot of, whole full lot everything. of, yeah, a whole lot of. What's that? whole lot of, whole lot of stuff. I don't. No thanks. At any rate, uh, Kirsten, uh, her performance got a lot of. Um, they people thought it was really good. She she won the best actress award at the Cannes Film Festival, <laughs> Cannes Film Festival, uh, the U.S. National Society of Film Critics Award. She was nominated for an Australian Academy Award. Cool. Um, yeah. So I mean, that was good like for a, her. That was a good like career. Sure. You know, I'd rather watch her in other things. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> after that, she had small appearances in things like Portlandia. Uh, she was an anchorman too. She was in the 2012 adaptation of On the Road, Jack Kerouac. Um, she was up for some bigger projects at the time that like all kind of fell through. Mm-hmm. Like um, uh, she was working, gonna work with Michelle Gondry again, who she did uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless yeah. Mind with. Amazing film, amazing. Yeah. Um, they had, uh, they were working on a film about the band Blondie, where she would have played, uh, what's her face from Blondie? I don't know. I don't remember her name. But, but it yes. didn't, uh, that didn't materialize. And then- Someone's uh, screaming it at us. I'm so sorry. All right, whoever's like in their car right now, like, oh my God, you don't know yeah. the band Blondie. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's fine. Um, and then she was also up for a film uh, where she would have starred as uh, Marla Roos, uh, Rosica, Rosica. I'm sp- saying. So this what? Wrong. Did we what happened to the Blondie movie? I just never, just never got off the ground. Oh, that's like they were working on developing it, and then like parted ways or something. Man. Like it just never happened. I don't know. Remember when Michelle um, Gondry made uh, Green Hornet? Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty. That was something. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's a thing that happened. Um, <laughs> uh, this uh, this other movie about uh, Marla, R U Z I C K. 
A, uh, Ruzika, a peace activist and U.S. relief worker who was killed by a suicide bomb in Baghdad. Was it her next like big project that she was going to do? That one also fell apart. Oh. Uh, didn't get off the ground in around 2011. So in 2012 was like her next movie she was even in, which was called Bachelorette. Um, a like it, it was a comedy, like um, girls group comedy based on the play by Leslie Headland. So it was her, Lizzie Kaplan, Rebel Wilson, Isla Fisher. Like a darker take on Bridesmaids was what people right. sold it as. Uh, Adam McKay and Will Ferrell produced it. Uh-huh. Uh, not many people saw it. And uh, and she also did a science fiction romance uh, fantasy movie called Upside Down with Jim Sturgis. It was like these... Oh, uh, yeah, I forgot that was These like, segregated societies on two planets that are right next to each other. Yeah. And like the people in one planet are the upper class, the people in the other one are the lower class. I don't know. Uh, it was French-Canadian film. It didn't really do well. In 2015 kind of people took her seriously again because that was when she starred as Peggy Blumquist in the second season of Fargo on mm-hmm. FX, which she has just been like, everybody loves it. She's just great. She got a nomination for a Golden Globe. Where she met her husband, too, Where right? she met her husband, Jesse Plemons, I yeah. believe. Yeah. Um, he calls her Keeks. Did you know that? No. Yeah. That's so nice. When she got the when she got her uh, Walk of Fame star, oh. he did like a speech and he, he called her Keeks. He's oh. like, when I first saw Keeks... Oh. I was like, oh, Keeks. It was love at first sight. Yeah. Oh, bless them. <laughs> Jesse Plemons, by the way, uh, I think he, I mean, I think he's a fantastic actor in general, but he's hilarious. Yeah. I did not realize how funny he was until I saw Game Night. Right. And I think that might be like the single funniest performance in a movie I saw. Past 10 years? Yeah. yeah. It's incredible. It's so good. He's so good. He He is one that... I like they're trying to like put him pin him into a Philip Seymour Hoffman mode um, because he has that vibe about him. Sure. Or he, yeah. he's capable of having that vibe about him. But I think that they should be. I, I, I don't think it's a bad instinct, but I think they should let him like get off the leash a little bit more. Yeah, than they tend to because his off the leash stuff is so good. He's um, just so funny. Remember when Philip Seymour Hoffman used to be like off the leash guy? Yeah, like funny guy. We'll yeah. throw him in whatever. He was a twister. Yeah, he and, was in. Um, was that Jennifer Aniston movie? Um, oh my god, Along Came Polly. Yeah, Along Came yeah. Polly. Yeah, yeah. Where he's just bananas. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. And he's in. Um, he was in My Boyfriend's Back. Do you ever see My Boyfriend's no. Back? No, no, no. It's a '90s uh, romantic comedy about a about a a guy who dies and then comes back as a zombie. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. But it's like before zombies were a thing. So like huh. he's like a real person, and like the thing that stops him from being a zombie is like eating people. Oh, um, to like tamp it down. Yeah, or to tamp it down. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's really uh, it's a weird movie. I watched it all the time when I was a kid. But yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman is in it as like a he's a um, I think it was one of his first roles because he's like a high school bully. Oh wow, he's like a jock. Whoa, okay. He's on the football yeah, team. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Bizarre. He's way too old to be doing it, <laughs> but it happens. But it happened. Yeah. It was he was like ninety two, I think, something like that. Wow. Um. So yeah. he was still like he was well into his twenties. Yeah. But. Yeah. I mean, the parallel career paths. It kind of makes sense. I just remember, yeah. I saw Jesse Plemons in Friday Night Lights, and I was like, that kid's amazing. I've never I, seen that show. Um. I saw the first season, and then I uh, got partway into the second season and, and quit. But apparently, the second season is just like 
bizarrely bad, just like a train wreck. That, yeah. And then it gets like way good again. Yeah, later. that's that's I've heard that before. Yeah, it's, it's fine. I just Whatever. don't. I don't care about football. Yeah, but you, like you don't have to. It's I, I don't know, know everyone. We'll says get into that. it. We'll get into it later. Everyone uh, says that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> she met Messi Plemons on that, and uh, he's great. Uh, we all love him. And uh, in 2016, so the year after she did Fargo, um, she was she had a small part in Hidden Figures that uh, Octavia Spencer, Janelle Monae. Uh, Taraji P. Henson movie about the early days of the U.S. space program at NASA uh-huh. and the um, the black women who were the mathematicians. That I were forgot she vital. was in that. Yeah, it was her. She was. Uh, what's his face? Isn't it? Uh, oh my god, I forgot his name. Field of Dreams guy. Oh, that's the white guy in that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Anyway, the guy who lets them use the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. Even though that never happened. We all be the same color. <laughs> yeah, that guy. <laughs> it's a pretty good movie, but like that that scene, I'm like, what are we doing? Yeah, like Costner. Kevin also, Costner. It, it never happened. Kevin Costner. That's, Kevin Costner. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. That scene never happened. <laughs> also, if anyone is gonna know that we all pee the same color, it's the guy that drank it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Waterworld reference. <laughs> For those of you in 2019, mm-hmm. Waterworld reference. <laughs> that show's still at Universal, right? Yeah, the, it like is. the it's live action anywhere. stage show. Amazing. It's um, the thing that the main thing that everyone knows about it. <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, Hidden Figures. That was that did pretty well. Multiple Oscar noms, Golden Globe noms. It won the Screen Actors Guild Award for Outstanding Performance by a Cast in a Motion Picture, which technically means that uh, Kirsten was like awarded for it. Sure. But the SAG Awards. That's more like our version of Best Picture when we say. Best performance by a cast. Right, right, right. right. Whatever. Um, so then she reunited with Sofia Coppola for The Beguiled, um, mm. which was a Civil War period piece with Colin Farrell and Nicole Kidman, Elle Fanning. Because um, she had done The Virgin Suicides with Sofia Coppola. Right. She had done Marie Antoinette. And right. um, she had a small cameo in The Bling Ring, apparently, which I never saw. Right. But she's just playing Kirsten Dunst in that. So oh, really, okay. Sure. Yeah, you know, because yeah. they're stealing from celebrities, whatever. Uh, um and n-a-r <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> and she she again uh worked with jesse on his episode of black mirror with the like uh star trekky episode of black mirror that he did oh right yeah so she's in that and um is she wait apparently i mean oh she has a she's a background cam i don't think she has like a like, little cameo, cameo she's not in it Okay. Like she doesn't. I don't even think she has a speaking role. If oh, I'm not okay. mistaken. Yeah. I think she's literally in the just, background, uh, just hanging out. Yeah. 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 Um. And my one of my favorite things recently I saw her in was uh, that she played Agatha Christie on Drunk History, which Drunk History I think is one of the best television shows on right now. <laughs> like period at all. It is just delightful. It is fun. If you haven't seen it, if please you, check it out. If yeah, you either like it or you apparently hate it. I know so many people who oh who don't it. like Drunk yeah, History. Oh they yeah, hate it. It is a very specific vibe. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. There's um, a British one now, Drunk History UK. That's nice. Yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, I'll check that out. And uh, <laughs> and that brings us to nowadays. Uh, now in 2019, she stars in the Showtime series on Becoming a God in Central Florida, mm-hmm. her first like big, big project in a while. Is it a, a miniseries or an ongoing? Um, I think it's a miniseries. Uh, I will double check that right now. Um, but it's a, it's a dark comedy Showtime series uh, about a low-wage worker who like schemes her way up to the, up, up all the ranks of this like cultish pyramid scheme in Florida. And um, I mean, MLM? It's getting, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like a, yeah, multi-level marketing, bizarre shenanigans. Um, uh, as of recording, they don't have a lot of episodes out, but apparently there's a way to watch like the first two um, on I YouTube. Haven't been able to. Yep. Um, uh, but yeah, I, it's just nice to see 
like she just got her star on the walk of fame and she's getting all of these like interviews about her new project and stuff and mm-hmm. i just i'm just like happy that uh, uh dunst is in the mix again yeah yeah i, I mean that's yeah. exciting no it's good it seems like a fun project yeah let's see i'm gonna double check first episode august 25th 2019 and it's it's weekly i think it's only 10 episodes long yeah okay so all right is that a, is that a full season is that a mini series who even knows anymore i don't know these days yeah big little lies was supposed to be a mini series right and they so. have two seasons of that now right whatever yeah um but yeah, those were those were our slightly long-winded ex- explorations into what our main casts did after yeah. Spider-Man Three. Well, our our director did uh, did a few things. Oh as yeah, well. Let's catch us up with that, please. Um, so so Sam, uh, you know, he directed very few things um, since the end of that. You know, after Spider-Man Three, I think that he he uh, uh, needed to step away. I mean, the the thing about it is like Spider-Man Four was supposed to come out in 2011. Yes. And he walked away in 2010, I think. Okay. So he actually made, he was making Drag Me to Hell regardless. Wow. So that wasn't in response to like the end of Spider-Man for him. It was in response to the production of Spider-Man 3. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And wow. how disappointed he was with that movie not turning out the way that he wanted it. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to have, a, he wanted to make a movie that he had full creative control over um and it was not and that's not to say again that's not to say that he did not have full creative control of spider-man 3 sure yeah it was just that i think it got away from him because of it was so big yeah that it got away from him and it didn't turn out the way that he wanted it to not because other people were making decisions for him which is of course the legend because (laughs) everyone wants to blame the studios and not the creator of the thing because everyone likes sam raimi yeah um but the fact of the matter is that that's not true. It's very rarely true. It, yeah. It's very rarely the case. I, I, I would hope. Especially with a big director like Sam Raimi. Yeah. And I would hope after 135 episodes of this show, it's become clear that it's not just like, oh, t- t- they made him do stuff he didn't want right, to do. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, so he went to go. He made, he made Drag Me to Hell, <clears throat> which is, um, you know, just sort of like a tour de force return to horror um, style. Ho- yeah, yeah. Horror, Army of Darkness, Evil Dead. Oh, Sam yeah. Raimi. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's so much glee in it and it's it's ridiculous and it's like a it's like a horror cartoon. I mean it's <laughs> kind of it's, yeah. it's 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 crazy. Um and it's definitely like the wackiest movie he's made since definitely since Army of Darkness and because uh, like after Army of Darkness he did Quick and the Dead, A Simple Plan, For the Love of the Game, The Gift, and oh then the Spider Man movies. <laughs> So, like, he hadn't done a crazy movie since 1992. Golly. Yeah. 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 Um, Because he was on on a trajectory of, like, trying to be taken as a serious director. Right, right. Like, here, look at these, like, uh, drama films I make that come in under budget and on time. Right, right. I am capable... I, I'm a man of many, many styles. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, and then he he made this to basically be like, yeah, I'm still Sam Raimi. Um, so he made Drag Me to Hell. The Spider-Man 4 stuff happened, which we'll get to. Yeah. And then after Spider-Man 4 uh, fell through, he was looking for his next project, and he eventually picked up Oz the Great and the Powerful. Right. Um, allowing him to reunite with uh, James Franco and uh, do... Another sort of like big budget 
thing. Yeah. Um, it's it's uh, it, it's a fine movie. It didn't make a lot of money. It was really like it did okay. It did okay. Yeah. It was, it was made to specifically um, to like cater to the 3D market. Yes, um, that, that everyone was trying to tap into at the time. Um, pretty good 3D effects, uh, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he did that, and um, that was his last movie. He has not directed a movie since then. Uh, God, that's brutal. Yeah. He's directed three episodes of television. He directed the pilot and a second episode of a series called Rake, oh. which was a Fox TV series starring Greg Kinnear about an outspoken and self-destructive criminal defense lawyer who takes on the most challenging cases. Hmm. Um, this hmm. was definitely his, uh, let me direct a pilot of a show that will be able, that's a procedural that will be on forever. Right. And, and I'll, I'll just, just collect-, collect paycheck after paycheck after paycheck. Right. Um, uh, that's, Brian Singer did that with House. Uh-huh. A lot of directors come in and do that because uh, yeah. it's it's an easy paycheck. I mean, Patty Jenkins had to do that for a while. Uh, oh, right. Yeah. 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 Um, but the, specifically pilots. Though. Specifically pilot because, I mean, in, directing in television, the best moneymaker is to direct the pilot of something that goes to series. Because you get paid for every you episode. You get paid for every episode. Yeah. yeah. Because every director is supposedly basing it off of your directorial The thing style. that you, yeah, established. established right. right. Um, so that was Rake. It was canceled after one season. Uh, 13 episodes and he directed two of them uh, he directed the episodes entitled cannibal oh and serial killer hey okay <laughs> so <laughs> there you go uh, then of course he went on to executive produce and uh, direct the pilot of uh, ash versus the evil dead right the three season continuation of the army of darkness franchise um, rumor has it that uh, he will be, he wants to direct another Evil Dead film. Oh, okay. Which will, which he hopes to bring Bruce Campbell out of retirement of the role. Yeah. Uh, and will also be a uh, a a crossover with the remake. Wow. So he wants he wants Ash and um, Jane Levy's character from the remake yeah. to be in an Evil Dead movie together that he directs. Whoa! Okay, that, that yeah, might, that might be his next film that he's like tinkering with. Yeah, right now. that's what he's that's what he's he's hoping to actually get that made. Okay, I think again because he keeps getting tied up to big budget films, and then they go nowhere, and he ends up not making them, and he ends up just sitting on his hands. Yeah, and I think he's at, he's at the point where he's, you know, sort of like I I just want I want to make movies, and the only movies that I know that I can get made are horror films. Yeah, I can make horror films like so easily because everybody wants another Sam Raimi horror film. Yeah, and so he's like, "Yeah, who's not going to want a Jane Levy, Bruce Campbell, Evil Dead movie directed by Sam Raimi?" Yeah, I do. Yeah. Literally, no one, <laughs> no one doesn't want that. Um, and uh, so, so that's what he's working on. Uh, uh, recently, he directed a short film called "The Black," uh, "The Black uh, Gondola." I don't know Ga- what that is. Maybe it's a ga- ga- gondola? The black gondola, maybe? Maybe it's gondola. G-H-I-A-N-D-O-L-A. I don't know. Gondola? I, I, I Maybe that's how you pronounce that. Um. Anyway, the black, he did a short film called The Black Gondola in 2017. He is in pre-production on The King Killer Chronicles. Oh, right. Which is a uh, based on a book series um, that he is supposedly directing. We'll see if it happens. For a long time, he was... Um, he was attached to direct the Warcraft movie, 
Uh, right. Which that took like three years of his life and then it went nowhere. It's a very, very much a, um, uh, 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 situation like the Hobbit. Oh boy. Um, and, uh, that like how that worked out another film, which he was attached to. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, ah. so he was originally attached to the Hobbit left that, um, Guillermo del Toro took over, was stuck on it for like three years and then fell off of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the same thing. So he went from the Hobbit to Warcraft and then fell off the Warcraft as well. Um, and oh, you know what? Actually, I think that was the other way around. I think that when Del Toro fell off of the Hobbit, it was going to be oh, Sam I after that, and then eventually Warner Brothers was like Peter Jackson or nothing. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I don't think they'd ever worked with, uh, they'd ever worked with Sam before. with Sam before Warner yeah. Brothers. So like they had, they're no, like, we want a known quantity. We want this to work the way we said it would, and it needs to come out at this time. Yeah. And the only way that this is going to work at this budget is if we have the guy responsible for the originals. Right. So and that s- happened the way it did. Yeah. So he went from The Hobbit, I think, to the Warcraft situation. And then the Warcraft situation ended exactly the way that Del Toro's Hobbit situation ended, um, only for opposite reasons. Yikes. They wanted a cheaper director, so they went with Duncan Jones. And that ended <sighs> not well for anybody involved. Yeah. Um, That's so frustrating. Yeah. Ugh. So um so he uh so now he's attached to the King Killer Chronicle um and some film called World War 3 uh which okay. was announced a while back it's oh. it's a it's a it's about a potential World War 3. Mm. It doesn't seem like apocalyptic like a weird genre thing. No, it just yeah. seems like a like a weird like what if thing. Huh. Um but yeah, so he has a fantasy film, he has that and then he has the the Evil Dead film. I, I assume the Evil Dead film will be the one that gets made. I hope so, man. Yeah. It's just... I mean, King, King Killer Chronicle, I wouldn't mind seeing it. I wouldn't yeah, mind yeah. seeing that happen. Yeah. Um, it's claimed it's in pre-production, but that could mean anything with a movie that big. Right. Um, so that's what he's got going on from that, that side of things. Yeah. Um, from a producer side of things... He started, uh, you know, he started his own company, uh, Ghost House Pictures, mm-hmm. uh, in the uh, uh, the post um, Spider Man three situation, <laughs> uh, and I think Ghost House Pictures started with The Grudge uh, okay. back in two thousand four, and then did uh, Boogeyman, The Grudge two, yeah, um, Thirty Days of Night. Oh, okay. That was Ghost House Pictures. Interesting. And then, of course, produced Drag Me to Hell. Yeah. Uh, and uh, a film called The Possession, Evil Dead the Remake, uh, which I guess is not a remake, but also is, but isn't. Oh, okay. Right. Because, I mean, I had no interest in seeing it, so I never like Oh, really? Tried. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's really good. It's good? It's really good. Okay. All right. It's really good. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe that's going to be a weekend bugle or something. Yeah. 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 Maybe we should do that. Oh yeah, we got Halloween coming up. Maybe we'll do that. Hey. We'll have already done it by the time you by guys time hear this. Gonna... Yeah, we'll have already done behind it behind the curtain. This yeah. is when we figured out we would do the Evil Dead remake. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> Connect those dots later. <laughs> um, so yeah, so you uh, produce the Evil Dead remake, uh, which of course ends with the post-credit scene of uh, of uh, Bruce Campbell's uh, uh, 
Ash. Ash, yeah. Um, doing his uh, uh, groovy line. Um, <laughs> he also uh, produced Spartacus, the TV series. Oh, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he used to work on the Xenas and whatnot right. back in the day. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. No, right. That makes sense. Uh, and then he, uh, they also did the Poltergeist remake, uh-huh. um, which was not well received at all. Mm. Um, and Don't Breathe. Which was oh. a kind of a runaway success, weirdly, say. Um, from the director of the Evil Dead remake, Fetty Alvarez. Oh, yeah. I'm just sitting here reacting to connections right. happening in real time. Right, right. I right. got nothing yeah. interesting to offer here. <laughs> it's like, oh, I see. Yeah. Oh. Uh, most recently, he uh, the Ghost House predict uh, pictures and himself. He actually. Um, was like the like a producer and these are when i say he's a producer he's not an executive producer he's like the producer oh okay of like of, in there yeah, making stuff right yeah of, of these films um but crawl is the most recent film oh my god that he produced he he actually did uh q a's for the film uh recently oh, so um, man yeah he was uh he was around uh during that press uh tour um upcoming he has uh the grudge remake that they're doing oh boy okay yep yeah it's it's been um you Enough. know 19 years so i guess it's time to remake oh the grudge God. yeah <laughs> yeah sorry just the idea that it's been 20 years since the grudge came out is uh it hurts a little it right it does it does yeah yeah, yeah. um so the grudge uh the last of us is actually a movie that he's producing. Wow. Okay. Yeah. The 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 uh, film version. Yeah. The film version of the video of the, game. Wow. Yeah. Um, which actually makes a lot of sense. That feels like. In fact, if he directed that, it would actually be like it would be pretty good. I would show up for that. I feel yeah. like I feel like that would be a really good choice for him. I don't think he is, but um, he but should think about it. Yeah. Because. Uh, I would like to see this is just this is solving so many questions I had of like what is he doing like with his time day to day because I don't think you could have Sam Sam Raimi like not be on film sets for the last 10 years yeah he's just been so he's just been been producing horror films interesting Um, and then and then uh, don't breathe too uh, which makes sense that that would be getting made sure Um, yeah so uh, don't breathe not good Really? Have you seen it? No. Like, oh, it's bad. Every once in a while, like a a horror movie like takes off and is like a runaway success, and I I have to ask like five or six people like, is that one worth seeing? And if they don't, I'll say like, yes, I don't. Go yeah. See it. Yeah, yeah. Don't breathe was real bad. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> real like laughably bad. Oh no. Uh. So anyway, don't breathe is not good. Um, <laughs> I heard good things about crawl though. I've heard good things about that too. I've heard I it's don't, like bonkers. I don't have interest in an alligator movie. I just, really? Yeah, I do. it just doesn't. I don't, I don't, I don't, know. I don't like stuff like that. <laughs> I just um, like monsters and creatures. It's just like, hey, you know that scene in Jumanji? What about that? But for a whole movie? Yes, that like lights my brain on fire. Yeah. I'm there. No, that's the opposite <laughs> for me. Um, I've heard it's very good, but also I don't know. Whatever. Um, anyway, so that's what Sam Raimi's been up to. Interesting. Yeah, Man, it is just wild to me that like Oz was the last Sam Raimi movie in a theater. Yeah, that six oh. years. Ah, yeah, six fair. six years. By the time something comes out, it might end up being a decade since the Sam Raimi movie. That w- that is wild. I know. It's not been for lack of trying, though. Yeah, it's just every nothing has been working out. Yeah, it really sucks. I think part of it. You know what I think it is. I hmm. think I think a big part of it is that because of his success, hmm. he is worth a certain amount of money, and sure. the only films that are willing to pay him that certain amount of money are big movies that are very easy to not get made. 
Oh, fair. does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, like he's at a certain level now where that's happening, and and I think that that's why he keeps making like he he wants to he makes something like uh, Drag Me to Hell or like mm-hmm. this, e- this potential Evil Dead thing. Yeah, because it's like I I can make that and I can I can just. I'll just take stuff off the back end or whatever. I don't need to take the full amount. But if he's going to do something like King Killer Chronicle, it's like, yeah, I want, I want what I'm worth. Right, you right. Know? Yeah, this has got to be the, the scale of the production becomes a lot bigger immediately. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so I assume that that's probably a big part of it. But oh man, in any event, so, <laughs> you did do good on those Spider-Man movies, old Sam. You did. You're. You're dead. You're stuck now. Um, and speaking of Spider-Man, what is this podcast about? <laughs> I don't even know um, at this point. <laughs> so, uh, 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 Spider-Man 4. So, we got to talk about Spider-Man 4. Yes. Um, so, Spider-Man 4 uh, didn't happen, obviously. And mm-hmm. there are a great many reasons for why this didn't happen. The main reason is that uh, they kept hiring writers. Sam would get the script and would not like it. He wouldn't like it. Okay. Yeah, uh, they were not letting him write it, him and his brother write at this time because of Spider-Man how Spider Man Three turned out. Mm-hmm. So they're like, maybe you don't write this one. So they hired James Vanderbilt, oh. um, the writer of Zodiac, yeah, uh, to write Spider Man Four, and he wrote a script. And this is the script I that that I think makes the rounds more often than not. Makes because, sense. Because um, Gary Ross worked on the script and a few other people, but I don't think anyone knows about those yeah. scripts. I think every the only the only script that anyone knows about, I think, is the Vanderbilt script. This is the script that introduced Felicia Hardy, had yes. the vulture, um, and also featured the Voltress, that whole thing. Yeah. So that. here here's the thing. Everyone, everyone is like, oh man, Spider-Man 4 wouldn't have been good. The Voltress, that's so stupid. Sam has said multiple times. That was the first draft of the script. I didn't like it, and we hired other writers, right, to to, to do take do another take. So, if your assumption about the movie is about the one that they didn't want to make, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay, yeah, that's what it, like, that movie. It's not. It's not like ooh, what Sam Raimi's Spider Man Four would have been. It's like it wouldn't have been that because he didn't like it. That's why they hired other writers. Yeah, um, that movie he, didn't get made. Right, he wanted her to be Black Cat. Um, and the fact right. that James Vanderbilt's script was like, well, I'm going to tighten this up by making her the vultress because it doesn't make any sense that she would become the black cat if her dad is the vulture. Um, cause mm. that was, that was the thing. Was yeah. Like, they turned the original black cat into the, or the cat. Was he just the cat or the black cat? The, her father, I think was called the black cat. I it was think. just, I the bla- yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, in any event, it doesn't really matter because yeah. the movie doesn't exist. We don't need to research <laughs> something that doesn't exist. Um, so, so anyway, uh, uh, my understanding of where the plot was going though, toward the end, and I've done, I've done a, a lot of research on this. Oh boy. And while a lot of the things about the original version, the Vanderbilt script has leaked, there is some disparity between what's leaked about the Vanderbilt script, hmm. things like the Voltress, the Vulture, stuff like that, and the uh, uh, the storyboards that were right. yes by the storyboard artist. He is storyboarding a movie that does not match what the Vanderbilt script was. Okay, what he is storyboarding was the version of the movie that was about to go into production until Sam chickened out. Okay. Because it wasn't quite there yet. And he's like, it's not there yet. I can't hit the 2011 date. Yeah. I could make this by like 2012. I could, right? If you gave me another year, I could, but I know you guys don't want to do that. 
um, because they had already hired. Was it? Is it Vanderbilt? Yeah, it was Vanderbilt. So they they after after Sam fired Vanderbilt from Spider Man Four, mm-hmm. Sony behind their back hired him to write a reboot. Oh, so they already had the Amazing Spider Man prepped, and they're like, we can get this made in the amount of time for 2012, because that that's yeah. that's what they that's released. When it came out. Yeah, that's yeah. when they released the reboot. Um, and so basically, Sam went into the office and was like, I know that you guys have a reboot that you want to make. I can't hit the 2011 deadline, so let's just let's just, just call part it ways here. And you guys make the remake you want to make, and I'm I'm gonna go make something else. <sighs> so um, that's what happened. My understanding as well was that they were very frustrated with him for making Drag Me to Hell oh. instead of focusing on another Spider-Man movie. Yeah, that was another big part of it, where it was like from their perspective, it was like if you hadn't done that, we could have had a script ready to go, and you could have made Spider-Man Four. But you chose to do that rather than work on the thing we were paying you for. Mm. And yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So it's yeah. like it's like from both perspectives, it's like, yeah, that's it's not good. It's like, yeah, if 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 you are going to be dedicated to make a, a Spider-Man movie like that's 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 like a corporate job. Like you yeah. can't go priority and, one. Yeah. You can't just like go and like, you know, screw off and go make a dumb <laughs> horror movie that didn't really make any money. Yeah. You know, so it wasn't even like it was like an acclaimed movie or anything. It was just he a wanted side to, project. Yeah, he just wanted to go do something else for yeah. a while. Um, I, I get it. I get where both of them were coming. Both yeah parties were coming from. Absolutely. Yeah. Creatively, I understand where Sam's coming. What a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. But but also from a business standpoint, it's like yeah, that looks bad. Um, especially when you're struggling on this and you're like, yeah, I just can't get it right. Okay. Well, I'll call you back cause I'm due on set making this other movie. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's not a good, it's not a great look. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like why the movie didn't happen. However, doing all of this research on it, I have come to the conclusion that what, what, what I figured out about the plot of what Spider-Man four would have been. The only thing that I haven't been able to find is anything about what Mary Jane's story would have been. Oh. No idea what it was. Sam says that he absolutely would not have made a movie without Mary Jane in it. Uh, He wanted Kirsten involved. Yeah. And he absolutely wanted to write a story for her and wanted to make sure that she was included. I I cannot find any other details other than that as far as like what her storyline was going to be. So I have no idea. Okay. And I don't know how Peter and Felicia Hardy were going to be involved. Right. If it was going to be a romantic thing, if it was just going to be like she, they're friends or what. Um, I know at other things. Right. Yeah. I know part of it was that um, the Vulture was going to be the new owner of the of the Daily Bugle. Okay. And that was going to be a big part of it. However, my understanding is that that's the Vanderbilt script and that's the script that he didn't like. Okay. Okay. So I think maybe that wasn't going to be Some the of that case stuff either. is misreported uh, or jumbled around. Right, right. Right, right. So my understanding, based on what Sam has said about it, what has been said behind the scenes because one of the one of the thought processes was that um, they were going to make four and five back to back. This was something that Amy wanted to do. Amy Pascal wanted to do with three and four, and it didn't work out, so she wanted to do it for this one, mm. four and five. And the the but but um, one of the things was like at a certain point it stopped being about a four and five. It just became a four again. Gotcha. Um, and my understanding was that in the original version of four and five. Four was going to be the vulture. 
five was going to be the lizard. Okay. Um, and that it was going to set up him, uh, uh, Kirk Connors becoming the lizard at the end of four. And then the lizard was going to be the main villain in five. Okay. Um, but at a certain point, something changed and Sam basically came down to say like, four is my swan song. I'm going to be done with four. So four is going to be the end of this series. I don't want to do another one. So we're going to wrap everything up and finish it all out. Finish it all out. Yeah. Um, And it was not going to be, the lizard was not going to happen at all, Um, which is interesting. And I think partially, I think Sam was a little disappointed that he never got that to happen, but, Listen to the plot of what I've I what I what I'm understanding that four was going to be. Now this does okay. not include Felicia Hardy because I again I don't know how she was involved in this version of the story. Right. But based on the storyboards and the things that Sam has said and the things that other people have said, this is what I've put together is what <laughs> what the basic plot of Spider-Man Four was going to be. All right. Which was that the vulture was go- it was going to open with that scene with mysterio that we've seen him leading in bruce campbell mm-hmm. as mysterio in and learning that he was quentin beck the whole time and the whole thing and then we were going to have the vulture show up and the vulture was going to be the main villain in this however the thing that this was going to be about was basically it was going to be about crimes response to spider-man which was that oh. they were going to be constantly upping their game. So the idea was that we had these science-based villains before, and now the villains in this movie were going to all be like tech-based. Okay. And so it was going to be the Vulture with his wings, Mysterio with his special effects. The Rhino was going to be in it with a tech suit. Um, and I think it was Shocker and who else was it? I can't find the other person that it was going to be. That's all right. Um, I remember, I remember reading it, but now I don't remember. There was another. There was another, like two other people, I think. So there's a smaller was all, level criminals. Yeah, but it was all it was all smaller level criminals, and and it was all going to be um, tech based stuff. Okay. And then, um, essentially, what the idea was going to be was that the vulture was going to put together the Sinister Six. Oh boy. And so it was going to be the Sinister Six, but it was going to be like all minor characters and it was just going to be like, it was going to be the Vulture was the main villain and that he put together the Sinister Six like a team because it's like, well, if there's six of us, he can't possibly stop all of us. That was going to be the idea. Okay. All yeah. right. I can I can see that working yeah. in its own way. Yeah. Yeah. So that was going to be the, the concept of it was that it was going to be like Vulture, Mysterio, shocker rhino and two others sure um that i don't remember who they were Uh, but it was not going to be the lizard as far as i can tell because um he felt that the lizard deserved more screen time than that more focus yeah i guess um especially because he's not like some random like uh goon off the street that's like a personal friend of peter's right we have had years of Right. Contact with. Right. Yeah. Um, oh, Electro was it Electro was one of them. That makes sense. Yeah. Um <laughs> so so anyway, so that was gonna be the the plot of it. And I don't know how the black cat was gonna be involved. I don't really know um you know uh how um 
how it was all going to tie together sort of like thematically. I don't know where it was going to leave us. Yeah. But it was basically going to be like, you know, Spider-Man's like finest hour kind of thing. Oh, man. Of just like, okay, like I, like it's sort of like it was going to be like the final answer to like, okay, well, what else is there to say about this character in a movie series? Mm -hmm. And it was basically like, you know, uh, if crime is upping his game, uh, upping your game, it's like it's like what they always say about Batman. Like, right? Without Batman, Gotham wouldn't have supervillains. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and that was like the idea of this was like without Spider-Man, there would be no su supervillains. Mm. Um, and so they make themselves supervillains because the only way to commit crimes anymore is to be a supervillain because there's no way to get away with it if you're just a normal criminal. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, oh, you know what? It might have been. It might have been Sandman. Sam, it might have oh, been the six one, like, like Thomas Hayden Church returning returns for something. Yeah, interesting. That might have been what it was. Okay, um, and that might be why I can't find any details on who the sixth person was because he's the only With living an established right. living villain. Right. right. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So that was what it was going to be. Interesting. And I think that that makes a lot of sense as a capper story. It's unfortunate that we never would have gotten the lizard. Yeah. Um. But I agree that it wouldn't have really worked. That he, he would have to be the focus if he's going to be the guy. Yeah. The same way that we ran into trouble with the Harry Osborne right. shenanigans. Right. That like if you if you open that door, right. then you have to give it full attention right. or things get messy. Right. Yeah. Right. Huh. I mean, I like the idea of uh, story as like uh, our, our final thing to say about the character is like self-actualization. Mm -hmm. Like um, Spider-Man, like things get more intense and uh, escalate because of Spider-Man and he has to rise to the to the occasion. Right. Um, I think that's intriguing. I think the idea of like having a functional relationship while this is going on is intriguing or maybe that's complicated with the addition of, I, I don't know what's going on with Mary Jane because right. there has to be some other, well, I mean, we've got the basic shape of the, uh, um, what does Spidey have to deal with? But they don't make these movies unless there's a what is Peter dealing with stuff mm -hmm. there and his relationships and whatnot. And I, I, from all of the accounts we've gotten, Sam didn't want to half-ass any of that. So what what he was aiming towards must have been something interesting or mm -hmm. or unique or uh, compelling in, in some way that I just feel... I didn't want to leave it with this, you know? Yeah. I didn't. And I, I want to know what this was. Yeah. I want to see it. Yeah. I still want to see it. Yeah. I mean, the thing about it, like just, just a couple months ago, Sam said that he thought he thinks about Spider-Man four all the time, all the time, all the time. Um, I still want to see it. And I, I feel like it's absurd to think that Sony b doesn't believe that there's a market for this movie. Oh man. Yeah. Um, like it doesn't have to replace Tom. You know, and the yeah. Tom series can still go on. This can just be another thing like the Into the Spider-Verse movie was. Right. I, I, I really think that you could do it. I mean, I've talked on Weekend Bugle about like my own pitch for a film that I would call Spider-Man Returns. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I stand by that. Like, I think you could still make this just like, I think you can make a third Tim Burton Batman movie with Michael Keaton and people would show up. People would go nuts In for droves. It. Yeah. 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 No one's going to be confused by that. Like everyone is going to know, oh, this one stars Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst. Oh, I remember that. Okay. 
Yeah. It's not like anyone's going to be like, well, some people are going to just be like, oh, does this mean the Tom ones are over? And it's like, no, this is just its own thing. Yeah. And they'll get it eventually when another Tom movie comes out. <laughs> um, but I think you could make a, a Spider-Man 4 still. I think you can't call it Spider-Man 4. I think you got to call it something else. Oh, sure. Yeah. But, but I think you could do it. I think so, too. I mean, even just like the la- the the landscape of the internet's embrace of the these movies as of late like the the rise and proliferation of Raimi memes in yeah, general like for sure there is a, a a not insignificant uh group of people that this is their key iteration of the character yeah their 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 key foothold in it and and his impact on their life starts with these movies yeah um i was i was uh Watching this um, this talk the other day that Brian oh I forgot his last name Brian Intahar I think his name is the creative director on the the um, Insomniac PS4 Spider-Man games. oh okay yeah um, and he was giving this long talk about the development process of that game and how sure. they made it and whatnot which I will link us to because uh, it's it's really interesting stuff but he was talking about um, the video or an article it's a video it's Ooh, a, it's a video better. of his ho- his whole talk at like a conference oh that's amazing it's really good okay. um i mean it's the structure's a little stiff because it's not like he's uh it's it's a little bit like your boss doing a powerpointy but like sure. once he loosens up like the content is really really good but he was talking about like early in the discussions for creating that game when they were having a lot of like arguments about like well, what what do you put in a Spider-Man game? What 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 are the important aspects of his character? Who is he to different people? They were running across this like um, this thing he talked about where he was like, I made the assumption that everybody else came to the character the way I had, which was I read these comics when I was younger, uh, but the probably the first thing I experienced was a cartoon, and that got me into the comics, and then eventually I watched movies and stuff. But like the comics is my like main connection with this character. Like uh-huh. I assumed that was how everybody came to spider-man but they had to have talks with other developers about like literally why and how did you come to like meet this character and he was like a surprising number of people the uh raimi spider-man films is their first and only um that's my real spider-man wow he was like he he was like and not just among like people we were polling but like people on the development team like people who make spider-man or here to make a spider-man game and had played spider-man games before and stuff like that they're like their compass was the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. Yeah. He's like, and we had to like take a step back and be like, we can't make an assumption about everybody has the same approach to these characters. Cause this one influence is much bigger than the other ones. And it became a thing of, we had to do a process of what is the overlap in the Venn diagram of all versions of Spidey that people care about mm-hmm. basically. And then go from there. But like just that it was, it was a thing that surprised him and would surprise me that like, the Sam the Sam Raimi Spider Man movies still mean a lot to people. Yeah, that 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 doesn't go away if that's who the character is when you your first brush with him. Basically. Right, right. I don't know. Yeah, no, and I and I think that that's, you know, like at the end of the day, I think that we, when you look back at the Spider Man franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is unique in that it is a little. It's all within a twenty year period. Sure, all yeah. of it. Yeah, um, even what we uh, like all three franchises within a twenty-year <laughs> period, which is insane. Um, it's it's an insane. That's an insane amount of franchises in a twenty-year period. Yeah, uh, and you know, so so it's it's condensed, 
But I think that what what I've come to realize about the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films is that they, I think they will always hold a place in the heart of pop culture mm-hmm. as the like Christopher Reeve Superman movies. Sure, yeah. Where it's like everyone tends to really like the first one. <laughs> the second one, a lot of people think is superior because it's like a little more Spider-Man-ish. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then the third one is like, well, then, <laughs> you know. Um, and and it's it's unfortunate that we never got a fourth one, but, you know, the fourth one could have been the quest for peace. So maybe so, we you know. dodged a bullet, you know? Uh, I don't know. Um, maybe we water ballooned right around that bullet. Um, <laughs> but but I think that... I think that you know, that's always where this movie is going to get. These movies are going to sit, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's amazing that they exist. I yeah. I, I think that um, you know the the tone of them is so specific and means so much to so many people because it was such a huge thing a a huge newish thing like i don't want to say new as in it was like nothing of this had been done before like this because that's i don't want to erase the legacy of like blade or uh, batman 89 or anything like that but just that like that it was this big and and touched this many different quadrants all at once well and it's and it's it's important to point out that like you know there are when you're talking about the biggest superheroes of all time Mm -hmm. the ones that are the most popular yeah. The most important. It's Superman, Batman, and Spider-Man. Yeah. Probably in that order. And Spider-Man and, and Spider-Man only being third because he came third. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, like he wouldn't have existed without the without other two. Without the other two. Right. 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 So, so I would say that that's probably the order. And yeah. it's, there are no other superheroes. None. Mm-hmm. That could ever reach the level of those three. Yeah. Um, at best, you know, you're looking at like an Iron Man, you know, mm-hmm. a Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. that level, which is still huge. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. But and, and they grew even bigger, but nothing's going to hit on the level of like a Superman, Batman and Spider-Man the first time they're out out the gate. Yeah. Movies like Superman, the movie Batman. 89 and Sam Raimi Sam Spider. Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. I've been on a uh, a Star Wars kick recently. Um I guess when this comes out it'll be around the time the Rise of Skywalker is coming out. Uh-huh. Um but a a concept that that sort of popped into my brain is like the idea of Star Wars now is this like it's this big franchise with many different like corners and nooks and crannies and we've got the Mandalorian and we've got, you know, video games and different, you know, saga movies and stuff like that. Uh but when you talk about what does Star Wars mean to people, mm-hmm. the the original trilogy of Star Wars movies is a huge deal. Yeah, uh, I mean it. It that that shadow looms larger than anything else could in that franchise. Yeah, and for the like modern superhero like boom that we're still in right now, the Sam Raimi movies kind of feel like the OT. Yeah, like they this is the Star Wars of yeah superheroes. Sure, to me at least. Sure, I think so. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, it it really did 
you know, everyone likes to credit Blade, mm-hmm. but uh, as much as I love Blade, no one knew that was a comic book movie. Right. So it doesn't count. Blade rules unequivocally, but it is not really proof of concept. No. You know? No. Yeah. No, it gave Marvel the money to be able to help fund X-Men. Yes. Which then begat Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. But it's not, it's no one watched Blade and was like, what? Wow. Comic book movies are back, right? Yeah. No one even. This knew- is going to be the dominant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nobody knew that that was go- that was even a comic book movie. Yeah. Most people. Yeah. Um. So doesn't count. Uh. As much as I love Blade, and I think we should all respect Blade. Oh uh, and I can't wait for the new Blade. Yeah. yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> um. X Men did a little bit more, but again, as we've talked about on the show before, X Men was ashamed of itself. Yeah. Yeah. It was trying to. Be like, okay, but what if we took yellow spandex and made it black leather? <laughs> and, and then we'll call it out in the movie. Gritty and real. Yeah. Like, what if, what if, what if the Holocaust? <laughs> um, <laughs> what, what, what were you expecting? Yellow spandex. And then Spider-Man comes along and is like, red and blue spandex. Yeah. Yes. Here it is, guys. Here. And people want it. Yeah. And yeah. it was the first film that proved that that could work yeah um so yeah i think you're right i think your thesis is correct because because i think that superman and batman were outliers basically because there were lots of copycats around the time of superman in the 70s lots of copycats of batman around the time of 89 right none of them worked yeah yeah because like uh, phantom was then right and uh, sure the shadow the shadow um uh there was yeah there was dick tracy Because their thought process was, this is the stupidest thing. Their thought process was, well, the reason that Batman 89 worked was because people really like people in trench coats, (laughs) old timey stuff. That's what they want. We got to find stuff that was written in the 40s. Yeah. Yeah. That's what people like. Yeah. So that's, that's what their, that's what their thought process was there. Um, And that's not, that's stupid. Um, that's a, that's a stupid thing to assume. Uh, that's again, like that thing that, that, that old chestnut about Hollywood learning the wrong lesson. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Like that was an unproblematic wrong lesson. Sure. Yeah. Usually they learn the problematic wrong lesson. Yeah. That was unproblematic. That was just buffoonery. Just, just dumb. Yeah. Just dumb buffoonery. Unsanctionable buffoonery. Yeah. 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 Um, Dick Tracy, the shadow, the phantom, that's the ticket. <laughs> Uh, anyway, and then in, it was Superman. It was like, well, let's make right because like what was in the seventies? They did like a Doctor Strange thing. They tried to do TV a lot. Yeah, in the seventies they did Hulk, which you know did work. Did okay. Wonder Woman, yeah. which did good. Yeah. Um, but like you know, in the movies they were like, I don't. We don't know how to make any of these other ones work. No. Um, because it didn't seem like any of them had the cultural. Like uh, cachet, cachet, yeah, of Superman, right? And Batman at the time was on the no-no shelf because of the Adam West show. Oh, it was like it was like, oh, no one, no one takes Batman seriously. Let's put that on the no-no shelf. Um, and then it was. I could use a little more Adam West these days. Well, I... <laughs> yeah. Here's here's hoping for uh, you know that that uh, that that trilogy of films that every that you were talking about being the most underrated sci-fi trilogy. That's right. That guy's making a Batman oh, movie. Man, I can't wait. Yeah, I know. I'm oh. pumped. I'm pumped about that. Um, Battinson, come on. Yes. <laughs> uh, but I think that I think that Sam Raimi's Spider-Man it it really did kickstart something that everyone understood, mm-hmm. which was that we just we just do the comic. 
Yeah. You know, and like, you know, that's funny to say now because like now we're in a post uh, Thanos <laughs> Post <laughs> Endgame shenanigans. Yeah. yeah. But, but um, where like Marvel was just getting it right one after the other yeah you know um but at the time and it's also funny to say because comparatively the sam raimi spider-mans are not doing the comics (laughs) sure yeah you know but but you have to you have to compare it um, to what was around then to what was before yeah what came before um no other no other movie had ever done like exactly what the comics were like those did, yeah. Um, to the point where, like, you know, you go to the you go to the second film, Spider Man Two, and they're literally adapting a story from the comics. I think that was like the first time that had ever happened, right? Yeah, you know, with the no more no more stuff, Spider Man No More, because yeah. even X Two, which is a loose adaptation of uh, um, of uh, God Loves Man Kills. Oh, I don't even know what any of that means. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is a which is a storyline from the from the late seventies early eighties I think, mm-hmm. um, with like William Stryker and that that whole oh, that yeah. whole thing yeah yeah um, but William Stryker but see like that's the thing right William Stryker in the comics was like a like a priest like a preacher okay yeah yeah he wasn't like a military guy so like right away they were like we're like well let's let's adapt the Weapon X thing and also uh, God loves man kills. Uh, and also like the Dark Phoenix stuff, the beginnings of that, <laughs> and we'll just mix that all in a blender and do that. Right. Whereas like, like Sam, and that's adapting comics, right? Right. Yeah. Whereas like Sam Raimi's Spider Man Two was just like, no, we're just gonna focus on this one thing, mm-hmm. and we're gonna have Doctor Octopus too, but like mostly but we'll it's just, just build thing. around this. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. the Spider Man No More, if I'm not mistaken, doesn't really have like a, like a like a big villain in it. Yeah that that issue at least i'm not remembering one all i remember from that the iconography from that story is him quitting and then becoming spider-man again. sure yeah yeah um so i don't i yeah so like the doc ock stuff is there but like it's all there to just sort of prop up this really famous comic book storyline yeah and it was like showing people like oh these people actually respect the medium they respect right. this stuff right they love it you know, they're not just like using it as a way to do something else. I mean, was it the first time that we had somebody directing one of these who was like a self-avowed fan of yes. the characters? Yes. Yeah. 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 It was always the writers before that that would talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like even because like with Tim Burton, it's like everyone loved Batman 89 and then Batman Returns came out and everyone was like, so she's like the crow? <laughs> the cat's like licked her back to life and he's like a freak who lives in the sewer that's not that's not what i that's not the comics yeah and like i love batman returns me too man that's another episode of week and bugle yep, if you want to hear sure us talk is. about how much we love batman returns love batman returns but not a not direct adaptation no, of anything no 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 not even a little bit um so you know i i think that it's it's the very first time that they ever directly and perfectly adapted something yeah um to where they were like no let's the comics let's yeah that's where it comes from yeah it's good let's use that and that was groundbreaking it like it sounds silly to say now but it really was yeah it really was a unique time and uh, and a, a unique thing to witness that happening yeah and uh and to feel like the sea change yeah as it occurred and it was like oh spider-man is breaking all these box office records right and, you know my my mom knows who mary jane is now like, right all of that was so new and so exciting yeah i mean the fact that mary jane was like at the level of lois lane yeah at that point was nuts 
Like that's nuts, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, it was like, it was literally like Catwoman, Lois Lane and Mary Jane were like the three like main like female comic book comic women. Book. Yeah. Yeah. Women. Yeah. yeah. Everyone knew them at that point. Um, they were as iconic as each other and it was crazy. And I, I just, I look back at these movies and I just like, yeah, like look at, look at what this, what these movies did. Like mm-hmm. the fantastic four movies, Angley's Hulk movie. Like I know those aren't considered good movies, but no, but, but they came directly out of that. Ben Affleck's yeah. daredevil movie. Like all of those came out of this and none of them worked as well as this did. Yeah. Because they still didn't understand. It really wasn't until Iron Man. Mm hmm. That it started working because Nolan's Dark Knight was doing a different thing. Right. A, a different, super interesting, cool thing. Yeah. But a different thing. Yeah. 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 Batman yeah. Begins was doing something else. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I yeah, I mean, we wouldn't have Marvel Studios without these no. films. No. Um, and it was, it was also sort of like the first series of films where they realized the value of the international market. Sure, that how it changed the, like everybody's approach to these yeah. these big yeah. Because say what you will about Batman and Superman, they're not as popular overseas as Spider Man. No. Spider Man is the biggest international hero. Yeah, by by a mile. But, but it's it, he's more than the other ones combined. Yeah, internationally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like even if you look at like um like merchandise sales and stuff like that, it's you can fit all the other Avengers into the amount of Spider-Man stuff that people buy. Yeah. Cause he's, he's our guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, despite all that merchandise though, he does need to have some better merchandise. <laughs> I would like more Spider-Man stuff, but like, I would man, like good Spider-Man, but stuff. I want good Spider-Man you know? stuff. I want Spider-Man stuff that doesn't make me feel gross. <laughs> um, like tribal style Spider-Man stuff. There's like so much of that. Crap. <sighs> yeah. I don't know. Just like aggro Spider-Man. Just like people putting, know. Just putting the logo on stuff. It's just, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. At any rate. Um, this was a special uh, experiment or uh, a project to go through. Yeah. It was really, yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, when we look back at it, I mean, I had a lot of fun this season. Mm-hmm. I think that it we really kind of bottomed out there toward the end. <laughs> um, but, you know, hopefully it was still enjoyable to listen yeah. to. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, I just, I look back at like Spider-Man 2 and, and like the first Spider-Man and it's just like, man, it's, it's crazy. I was, um, the other day I was just sort of like, I was like checking our feed for like the newest episode to see if it had posted and mm. I like accidentally hit on like the whole feed. Oh. And then I was like, oh yeah. And then I just started scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And I was like, wow, like we yeah. really, we accomplished a lot here. Um, and I don't, yeah. I don't want to like pat, I don't want to pat ourselves on the back, but like, I'm, I'm really proud of the work that we did these past three seasons. And, um, I was just like looking back at like the, just the titles of episodes and things mm-hmm. like that. And I was like, Oh, that's when we talked about that. Oh yeah. That came from that. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, I'm just, I'm just like really happy about like these three seasons of this show that we made. Yeah. And I think that, I think, you know, it was three years of our lives. Yeah. Which is a bizarre statement, but yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. Three yeah. years of our lives. I, I really think we did a good job. I'm really proud of it. Um, I hope people continue to find it yeah. and continue to listen. Um, that's not to say we're done. No, no, but just that like this, this era is over. over. This specific uh, vibe. Yeah. You know, with these, this specific take on the character. Right. Yeah. 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 
Um, so that, I guess, leads us to uh, what's next. Sure. Um, but before we get there, <laughs> we have some emails. Oh, yes. Yes. Some uh, listener emails. Right. So I did. I put out a call for some emails. Um, I didn't get a great a whole lot. That's fair. Because um, I think I think, uh, I think think emails are not the way to do this anymore. Nobody wants to send emails. <laughs> we were talking about this before we were recording. Right. And I, I've decided that emails are the new snail mail. Yeah. That just culturally, we've moved on from email. Yeah. 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 The yeah. email is like not the best way for communication <laughs> anymore. Um, so uh, this first email comes from uh, Stephen Andrew. Okay. Hi, Stephen. Yeah. Yeah. Who is, um, we, we know very well from our uh, oh, yeah. listener group. Uh-huh. Uh, and his question is, of course, uh, dear Scott and Zach, what is your favorite Spider-Man meme? Oh, man. Oh, boy. I think, I think mine is surprising... Uh, Mr. Ditkovich memes. <laughs> yeah. Where you, you the think, creativity involved. Yeah, where yeah. you think a meme is going in a direction and then it ends with like Ditkovich asking for rent. Yeah. Um, I think that those are probably my favorite because they, they always surprise me and make me laugh. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so I really like those. I will say my least favorite are the... Um, the 60s Spider-Man animated oh, ones. Oh, yeah. That no, no, can no. get like super gross. Yeah, where they're like, the joke is this is a cartoon image, but he's going to like say something kind of yeah. rapey. Like those really yeah. make me uncomfortable. Yeah, it's yeah. like, um, it's very Deadpool-y. Yeah, which is... I just don't understand it. It's different. Yeah. I don't like that. Um, I think my favorite, maybe this is a weird one, but I think my favorite Spidey meme is um, I wouldn't want to fight me neither. Oh, yeah, memes. that's good. Because it's... Well, a it just is funny because the you know every once in a while people will make what whoever the new villain in town is you know the big thing that's happening the ones that always made me laugh last year were the Thanos ones yeah where, you know you have Joey Joey Mag step out in Flash yeah. Thompson striped shirt and be like oh, don't fight me neither but just <laughs> I think there's something just so charming for it to me about the idea that. It was a one-off scene. It wasn't a running gag in the movies themselves that has been turned into a recurring meme like uh, like your Ditkovich's or like your Pizza Times or whatever. There's, there are no, there's multiple scenes with pizza. There's multiple scenes with Ditkovich asking for rent. There's multiple scenes of Toby crying. There are not multiple scenes of Flash Thompson yeah. challenging you to a fight. It is just a moment that happened that people like glommed onto fondly and it has it for me it represents the idea that like people rewatch these movies a lot and they rewatch the the old ones if that makes sense like it's not just what's the most memeable one Spider-Man 3 let's like watch that and pick out this goofy silly stuff they did in that it's, right we watch the first film so many times that even a one-off line like uh what about my uncle did you give him a chance becomes a like method of communicating with other people yeah 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 i don't know I think they're fun. No, I love that. That's, that's a great, good. great question. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, so our next one comes from uh, Travis Bow of the uh, hey Travis uh, previous previous guest and uh, uh, host of the Watchmen Minute podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, his question is: Would you rather have the 159 page version of Spider Man Three get made, oh. or Spider Man Four? Ooh, yeah. Oh, that's tricky. I think I think for me, I would go with Spider-Man Four, um, but only if the Spider-Man Four was the best possible version of it. 
Ooh, okay. Because I think that the best possible version of Spider-Man 3 is still not going to be what everyone wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be like a um, Dark Knight Rises situation where it's like, it's, it's, eh, you know, but like, it's all right. Yeah, but like not, it's still, it's not what I wanted. It's not at the level. And there's still like a couple of things where you're like, well, <laughs> that's not great. There's some weird stuff happening. Cause I think, I think ultimately, um, I just don't think that Sam and Ivan are good writers. They're good mm. at writing like silly horror stuff because you're not as focused on things like dialogue in sure. movies like that. Yeah. So like Dragging Me to Hell is really fun, but I just don't think they were capable of writing a really, really great- Like functional script. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, yeah. I, 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 I want to read it, but I don't know that I'm sad that it wasn't made. That's interesting. I would rather have a Spider-Man 4. I think um, my impulse to want the- the big adaptation of uh, the Spider-Man three that didn't happen is just that people would be less harsh on Spider-Man three in general. Uh, a, sure. And I- I'm just not sure if the question means to watch right now or to have happened in general. Cause like if that other version of Spider-Man three, that isn't as like, you know, widely drubbed as this one happens, maybe things are looking better and then we do end up seeing spider-man 4 after that like i don't know how the timeline diverges sure from there sure you know because so maybe that's a have your cake and eat it too scenario i'm 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 taking it at face value okay just, just like, like here you get one or the other watch it yeah you yeah get one or the other okay um then, I yeah would, maybe i would rather watch spider-man 4 at that point yeah yeah okay interesting right. well interesting. thank you for that question that's, uh, <laughs> that's an interesting one because yeah I, I yeah i definitely think so um so let's see here. Um, this one comes from Claudia. Hi, Claudia. Uh, she starts off with some stuff that are just uh, very uh, uh, complimentary to us. So oh, that's I nice. I appreciate that, but I don't want to pat ourselves on the right, back. Of course, yeah. Uh, but thank you very much, Claudia. And then uh, she says, as just an observation in my own life, I've noticed that the people that I interact with are not big Spider-Man, that, uh, that are not big Spider-Man fans tend to hold Andrew Garfield as their favorite version of Spider-Man. Have you noticed any trends toward one actor or another or even animated version in your own lives? Interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I see more of a generational divide. Than yeah, that's else. fair. Um, um, I, I see. I also see that like the more aggro Spider-Man fans I've, I've seen tend to like Andrew Garfield the best mm-hmm. uh, because he went like full blown vigilante. And I think they like that a lot. Oh, when he's like hunting one. down yeah. criminals and stuff. Yeah. I think that's like more their vibe. And also like he's snarkier, which they always want. Um, but like snarky, Spider-Man's not snarky. Deadpool's <laughs> snarky. Spider-Man tells bad jokes. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I have a large enough data set to like draw like broad conclusions on like which type of people gra- like gravitate toward which ones. I just, the, the main thing has just been the age of people. Uh-huh. Like, um, a lot of a lot of my experience with people uh, strongly preferring one to the other has been like the the years when I was like open to like uh, answering questions about building Spidey suits. Like there was a three year period there where I had time where I could still do that, and people were asking me questions a lot about building spider suits. And um, it seemed like it was very much just that uh, younger people were more into the Andrew Garfield ones, and I think that that has to be related to like which. Which movie is the one that you saw in theaters when you were a kid? When you were a kid, yeah, yeah, 
that that's going to imprint on you in a in a specific way. Yeah, I think I'm in a weird place though because like I wasn't a kid when these came out, like even with the first Tobey Maguire. Sure, yeah. So like I I guess I see some value in all of them. Yeah. You know, but yeah. it, but I but I I don't I don't connect with them the way that a kid connects to this stuff. Yeah. As much. Where there, there's a certain like, um, there's no, there's no like, there's like an uncritical uh, embrace that happens when you're a kid, right? When you see like a big movie of a thing you hadn't seen before, right? Where you know you can come back to it later. Like um, an example I have of this is like the movie Hook. Sure, like perfect. Yeah, you talk to people about the movie Hook, and um, as an adult looking back on Hook, the film, I can see all of the ways it's stumbling and weird and awkward and strange. Yeah, but. Generally speaking, when I talk to people that are under the age of like 27 about Hook, they're like, oh my God, what a great movie. I love that movie. Oh, I would say I would say under the age of 35, honestly. Okay, fair. Yeah. 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 But like people, people that were adults when that movie came out do not like Hook. Right. Just straight up. Right. It just, that that is the most embarrassing Steven Spielberg film for them. Yeah. And uh, Which is absurd because they've obviously not seen Ready Player One. <laughs> Oh boy, Ready Player One. Um, yeah, I just I think that's that's part of it is that like, you know, uh, the th- if you are young when you see a thing mm-hmm. that it, it like it, implants itself, it lands you. differently. Yeah. yeah, it really does. Um, that like when I watch when I watch Andrew Garfield like being, you know, mopey or like stalking his girlfriend in those movies, like it it rings a sour note to me mm-hmm. I, and, it, and it takes me out of it a little bit, but right. it wouldn't if that's like your first approach to the character. Right. Those are valid ways that a teenager might act uh-huh. with spider powers. Uh-huh. Um, it's just, it's just different. Yeah. Not my Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I think, I think that, uh, that tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's ultimately what it seems like to me is mm-hmm. like, it's a, it's a generational thing. I, I think, think. that the more interesting one would be to like find people that missed the boat on, uh, superhero movies entirely and, uh, show them the different iterations and see what they respond to. They hate this version. Oh, okay. I've oh. seen, I've seen that. Oh no. Yeah. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen that take on it and it's, uh, there was like, um, I forget her name, but there's a Twitter account by a woman who had never seen any of the Spider-Man movies and then watched these and was just like, these are, this is awful. This is so cheesy. Well, no, no, it's not just that. It's just that like, they're like, oh yeah, like Toby's Peter is a creep and it's uh, like, you know, just stuff like that where it's like, like makes them like visibly uncomfortable kind of, kind of thing. Um, So, and the, but then so do the, so do those other ones and then they tend to like the um, the Tom Holland Holland ones. Yeah. Yeah, because they're less problematic. I think they are. I think they are in many ways. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, of course they're going to be. We're we live in a like a better society now. Like, right. Exactly. We're more aware of things than we were when the Sam Raimi movies came out. Yeah. Um. So, I, I, I would I would hope that they continue to get less uh gross. You know, yeah. Or, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um. Um, good question though yeah it was yeah. good interesting uh yeah so that's that's it that's all we got all right questions um not uh not a lot of questions there but uh thanks to everyone who did email them in mm-hmm. and um yeah so let's talk about uh what we're doing next here because sure. i think that um you know everybody is sort of wondering 
uh, to a certain extent what exactly the plan is. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll be totally honest, we don't know. Um, <laughs> we do. We are going to cover the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. We don't know yet if we're going to cover them a minute at a time. We need to watch them. Yes. Um, and we haven't. In it's, years, I mean, we've we certainly not watched them since we started this. Yeah, I mean, because we've been putting all of our time into this. Yeah, uh, I don't know that I've seen them since theaters. I haven't. Yeah, I definitely haven't. So yeah. that's that's a thing that we need to do is um, we need to rewatch them and figure out the best way to tackle them because the way that we're looking at it is like we could do it a minute at a time. And yes, I I do I do feel like if we don't. There's a certain level of um, of um, branding problems <laughs> sure, that okay. come up, you yeah. know, where it just it feels like we like gave up, especially if we go back to the minute format. Yeah, afterward for the for fun the, ones. Yeah, yeah, for the fun ones. Um, it does it does feel a little lame. <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> um, but one of the things that we did talk about doing, and th- these are just ideas, and we'll get your opinion on them because yeah. we, we do care. So. One version of the, of events is that we just we just cover them a minute at a time, like we have been, mm-hmm. um, and we'll just we'll roll through it and we'll make the best of it and and go about our merry way, yeah, um, like we have been. Uh, another version of events is covering them two minutes at a time, and then doing them kind of back to back, right? Um, where like we, it's one big season with the Andrew the Andrew Garfield season, right? Right, yeah. and we would have like a little break in the middle. Um, to sort of reset, but it would be like no longer than a month, and mm-hmm. then we would be back at it again with the the second one. And the idea for that would be like basically ten minutes a week. Sure, is what we would be covering. So that's another thing that we talked about. Um, another one that we talked about was doing them scene by scene. Um, I really don't want to do that because that would that's very difficult to break up the minutes that way. Oh yeah, just the the planning stage. Yeah, the becomes... planning, the pre production stage becomes a lot more tedious. Yeah. Um. So I don't I don't really want to do it that way personally. Um, you know, and then we could also just do uh, special episodes where we just talk about those movies in one go and then that's it. Yeah. Um, you know, that's like just another... like have a big discussion, like a big single discussion about Amazing Spider-Man 1 and then a big single discussion about Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. You know, that's, that's also uh, a, a choice. We yeah. Make. Um, I, I am personally waffling between the first two options. Yeah. Just you know just going for it mm-hmm. and covering it mm-hmm. or or doing the the two minute at a time version um i i think a lot will be revealed by sitting down and watching them and yes. seeing what our response to the movie is right yeah i yeah. agree with that yeah um i think that the big thing though that we can say is that we are taking an extended hiatus Yes. Um, so this is we're in. This is being released in January of 2020, mm-hmm. um, which sounds like the far future. That, <laughs> that sounds bizarre. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but we are living in uh, in 2020 now, and um, uh, this this is being released at the very beginning of January 2020. Yeah. And uh, the plan is to return with a new season in the fall. Right. Um, so we are going to be taking the summer off. I've got a final season of Cornetto Minute covering the world's end coming out. Heck yeah. Um, that will start up, uh, you know, late spring, I think. Take a visit to Newton Haven. Have a blast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'll be doing that in the meantime. Um, but we will be doing the Weekend Bugle mm-hmm. uh, on a regular, much more regular basis because we won't have anything else going on, right. which is easier. Um, and I don't do the Cornetto Minute in the same fashion that I do Spider-Man Minute. 
because um, Nick's schedule is different than yours. It's just a different show. Yeah. 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 So we, we tend to not get too far ahead of ourselves on that show. Um, so that'll be a little more easygoing than mm. this one was for me. Fair enough. It was enough. like a marathon. <laughs> this was intense. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So we're going to come back in the fall with whatever form of the show we decide um, season four to be. Yeah. Either way, regardless, we're covering the amazing films next. Right. That has to be the next thing on the docket, right. essentially. Right. Yeah. So we're going to do Amazing Spider-Man next. Um, and then we'll see how we're going to cover it. Yeah. Uh, as we as we move along, we have we have we have some uh, 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 some soul searching to do. <laughs> and we just we gotta we gotta watch the films. We gotta we gotta figure out um, how what we want to do. Uh, I just I just want the show to be fun to listen to. That's right. basically what all this is boiling down yeah. to. It's not like this is a I, like a prison sentence or something. It's no, just no, like, no. We want the show to be fun to listen to, and if it's you know, to be totally honest, a, a movie we don't really like at all. Uh, like, I want to make sure there's a way to like spin good conversations out of it. Yes. Yeah. So, let's see what we think of the movie and how we feel about it. Oh, the the other format that I remember us talking about was doing it in uh, five or ten minute chunks, but doing it once a week. That was the other. Oh, that was the other right. version. Yeah. That was the other version of it. Um, sort so, of a medium. Yeah. Choice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. There's a great many versions of events, but again, the thing is, I don't want to break the format too much because then when we go back to it, it will, we will be out of practice and it will be like, Oh my God. Um, so like, that's the other part of it. Um, I also look at what star Wars minute did with the prequels. Like, here's the thing. A lot of people are going to respond with this star Wars minute did the prequels. They got yeah. through it. They did it. Yes, you're right. They also make $5,000 a month on Patreon. Right. Uh, if if I was making $5,000 a month on Patreon, we would already be prepping like immediately for yes. the next. Like, I don't. Yes. Come on. 100%. Yeah. So if you definitely, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll just set up a Patreon goal. Not $5,000. No, but that would rule. That would rule. <laughs> um, that would rule. But, but, but we'll set up a Patreon goal and one goal will be two minutes at a time and another goal will be a minute at a time and if you really want us to hit a minute at a time then let's try and hit that patreon yeah goal. yeah tell your friends about the show get them to watch to listen to the uh, the previous episodes and yeah. all that and we'll yeah. have until the fall ish right yeah late yeah. summer at the very least when we start recording yeah um so. maybe by the time this comes out we're already a runaway smash hit and well. this is all moot but uh god i hope so that'd be amazing <laughs> but um Probably not. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, the thing about this format is like, it's so diluted now because of how many of these shows are, there are. Sure. Yeah. That, you know, we're never going to hit the level of Star Wars Minute because it's just no one no. else is capable of hitting that. Right. Um, but yeah, if we could, you know, if we could hit a little bit more than where we're at currently, that would be nice. Yeah. Um, because it just makes things go easier. Uh, yeah. 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 Because, yeah. um, uh, you know, there's a lot of time and energy and effort yes. put into putting this thing together. And, and, it's, and, and it's easier to sacrifice your time. Exactly. Yeah. If, if we're getting paid for it, um, <laughs> you know, that's that's the thing. It's like it's like, yeah, Zach would be able to give up on like stand in gigs and right. things like that. Yeah. If it was like, oh, I have to go record and get paid for it. Ah. 
Yeah, that's that'd be cool. That's if this different. was a job. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. different. Yeah, um, it just it it opens things up a little bit more. Yeah. So yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know. Let's, uh, let's 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 maybe do something like that. We'll we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Um, we'll have anyway, stuff in a group. I don't know, but uh, in any event, but that's that's still not to say that we won't do that anyway. But we'll, <laughs> sure, it's just you know we're just trying to we're tr- if you want to guarantee that would definitely be a way to uh, guarantee <laughs> that we do it. Yeah. Um. So it's uh, it's interesting. Either way, we're gonna watch the movie soon, and then uh, we'll make a we'll make an internal decision. Yeah. Um, that way. Uh, also, um, obviously, we will have some hiatus specials like we normally do. Yes. Uh, we're gonna have a Spider-Man three commentary. Uh, sometime. Mm-hmm. Um, we will have a uh, uh our trailers. Yeah, our trailers thing. Mm-hmm. Um, happening. Uh, so that'll happen a minute zero of that. Um, and I don't know, maybe something else, maybe something else. I don't know. Either way, we're going to be doing the weekend bugle over on the Patreon. So yeah, that's, that's the other thing. It's like, yeah, we're asking for Patreon supporters so that we can like do a minute at a time movies by minute. Amazing Spider-Man season. Mm -hmm. That is like a legit one minute at a time season. If that's what you guys really want, but also it's not like you're not getting anything out of the deal. Like, right? Yeah. One, you would be getting the season of the show, which is the thing that I feel like, you know, you, we gave, you know, three seasons of the show we did. It was a lot of work, and yeah, it was sure a lot. Was. It was it was very research intensive, <laughs> and um, it's it's a lot. And I love doing it. I loved every second of it. Oh, it's fun. Yeah. Uh, but you know, when we ask for Patreon supporters. We're asking for supporters for like the regular show and then like the, the weekend bugle and stuff. That's all like bonus yeah. stuff that we're not asking you to pay for the weekend bugle. We're asking <laughs> you to help pay for the show. Right, right. That you're getting for free. And the weekend bugle is just like a free bonus that you get because you're a patron. Yeah, like thank you. We, yeah, we appreciate it. Right, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Along with um, all the other stuff, it's all through dueling genres. So it's yeah. like all the other bonus stuff that's on there. Yeah. Or thank yous. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So in any event. Um, that's also where you're going to hear our reactions to the Morbius movie. Oh God. Yeah. That'll be happening during the hiatus. That's a thing. Um, I'm sure there's probably other something, other Spider-Man related that'll be coming. <laughs> what, whatever know. that has been announced about Spider-Man's like next yeah. big projects by the oh, time this comes out, Venom, you know, Venom two, Venom two. Yeah. That's next year also. Uh huh. Yeah. So Andy Serkis is Venom 2. Andy Serkis is Venom 2, starring Tom Hardy. Wow. <laughs> That's blast off. Yeah. Um, oh, that'll be a fun episode. Yep. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Did you hear what uh, what Amy Pascal said about uh, Venom? No. What'd she say? She said that uh, uh, her feeling was that the thing about Venom, we got a lot of things right, we got a lot of things wrong, but the scene that I focus on that I think was 100% the right tone for what venom a venom movie should be is the scene where tom hardy takes a bath in the lobster tank god bless it. and i was like yeah you're 100 percent right ma'am <laughs> that's the money maker i like where your head's at <laughs> so i'm i'm pumped for venom too hell yeah anyway all right. um all right so i guess that's it that's that's the sam raimi trilogy done there it is it's in the it's in the bag there it is yeah it's in the can so tell your friends i hope you guys uh had a great time this season we definitely did and yeah. uh We'll talk to you on the other side with, uh, I think the next thing you'll hear from us, if you're not a Patreon supporter, the next thing you'll hear from us is um, 
the commentary the commentary track yeah. for spider-man 3 so that'll be coming down the pipe uh soonish yeah if you want to sit down with your copy of spider-man 3 and uh hang out with us in your earbuds as we watch yeah yeah that'll be fun all right See thanks everybody bye, bye.